everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. Tonight, we brought on none other than the man himself, Jake Boss, from the MTG Tonight Show. And let me tell you, I had a really awesome talk with him. It was a blast to have on the show. Um, God. We went on two hours and didn't even feel like two hours, so buckle up. I mean, I know m last week's episode was a pretty long episode, but this one's a little bit longer, so buckle up for the ride. It's much, very worth I mean, hell, all my interviews are worth listening to, right? Um, so before we begin, let's get some announcements out of the way. Magic Wazubi can be found on the following on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, it's also on YouTube. You can just search Magic Wazubi on YouTube. Like, subscribe, hit the bell smash it you know uh, we're called the zubinators right and that's that's the name of my little group the zubinators the zubinators out there you got you got to smash that button right like and subscribe um no clickbait here uh you can also find magic wazubi on facebook at facebook.com slash magic wazubi on twitter at magic wazubi on instagram at magic underscore with underscore zubi uh you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzubi at gmail.com and if you wish to help support the show and want to show a little bit of support uh check out the patreon at patreon.com slash magic wazubi it's definitely worth checking out there and then we also got two sponsors here you can Check out Manatraders at Manatraders.com. If you no longer want to purchase singles or anything like that and you want to rent a deck for maybe that special PTQ, that Mox, um, you know, that league that you want to smash, um, go ahead and check out Manatraders and rent any deck you want um, and set up a monthly account. And if you want to save 50% off your first three months, that's 15, not 50. May have said 50 by accident. 15% off your first three months. Use coupon code MTGZUBY at checkout. That's MTGZUBY, M-T-G-Z-U-B-Y on checkout. Uh, then you can also check out LegitMTG.com. If you want to save on shipping and any order over $2 or more at LegitMTG.com, we'll give you that free shipping. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, that's with any sealed or single product physical paper cards uh, for LegitMTG.com. They've been with the podcast for a long time now, and I appreciate and I love them uh, as long as they stick, you know, put up with me. Uh, so without further ado, let's welcome Jake Boss of the MTG Tonight Show. All right, we're just going to. OK, can you talk real quick? Just want to make sure the levels check, check, check. A, B, C, D. Is that good? Yeah, no, no, that's good. All right, so Zuby here, and I am with Jake Boss of the MTG Tonight Show, who you've had, what, so far two episodes out now? Uh, two are out, and hopefully by this uh, coming Wednesday after we record, uh, the Professor's episode will be out. So it'll hopefully be three. All right, so it'll definitely be three because this episode is going to be due out the end of November. So oh, perfect. Actually, but yeah, so it's three episodes now, and hopefully that professor's episode is good because I've seen your first one. I haven't seen the second one yet, though I did see what on your second one you had a musical guest, I think. Uh, yeah, um, so on the... the for all of the shows, I do a musical guest to take us in and out of commercial break. Um, just for this like visceral feeling of uh, tonight's show, and then I give them a spotlight song. But uh, the first show we had a folk music group, mm -hmm. uh, sort of a bluesy group, and then the second show we had uh, Macy DeBlanc, who is a uh, vocalist, and she creates her own backing track and stuff like that. And for the third show we have New World Aviation Committee, who's sort of a Steely Dan type group. Okay, and where are you finding these musical guests? 
I I know enough people because I was a musician uh, since I was nine years old. So uh, I'm in enough social circles to be able to reach out and say, uh, you know, who's got a group that wants to be on a Tonight Show? And there are enough people out there who are doing it on a, you know, um, semi-pro, semi-amateur level where they're uh, they wouldn't mind giving their time away for free for sure. something fun. Sure, that's awesome. So I guess let's backtrack a little bit here. You have a what I can think of as long as I can remember. I don't think there's ever been a sort of Tonight Show esque <laughs> uh, show. I mean, there's been plenty of uh, shows out there that try to be like ESPN, you know, Sports Center. Um, some that are there, there have been other talk shows and all that yeah. out there, but nothing quite like what you're doing. So the first question is why do something like this? Um. So there's a couple of reasons. Reason number one is uh, SBMTG, uh, Dev, when he sits on the couch and tells us about a standard deck, you can sit there for 20 minutes and take it in just because this is a cool dude who's uh, given us great information. Uh, and it's unique to him because he's a great deck builder. Uh, but his personality and the little flourishes of like music and stuff like that, such a simple setup uh, is fantastic for his format. Uh, so what if we added in some production to that, like uh, crew, some lights, a backdrop, all this other stuff? Um, so that appealed to me because, you know, we like him for him and we're there because of standard. Uh, and then I was this whole thing kind of started because I was watching the Mr. Rogers documentary and oh, the, uh, the new one. Uh, I think it was Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yeah. It's not the one with Tom Hanks, but. No, no, um, no. Anyway, that yeah, that's the new one. I I enjoyed that one. That was really good. Yeah, I I, I used to be a uh, stepdad to a uh, little girl who's six months till she was three years old. You know, I was that role for her. So mm -hmm. I didn't make it through one minute of that movie without shedding a tear. But um, <laughs> I don't think anyone did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I got out of the movie, I was standing there with my uh, girlfriend and my mom, and we were talking about, um, you know, kind of what my future was for. MTG Media because I'd been working behind the scenes with uh, some bigger creators and stuff like that uh, as an editor um, and I was trying to figure out you know what's next for me so uh, he, Mr. Rogers had this community of people like Mr. McFeely would come and tell us about this and uh, the police officer would tell us about that so we all have that in Magic the Gathering where we've got the collector we've got the budget brewer um, if I can put mine on screen, uh, maybe I can share it with other people and that can be their secondary group of MTG people. Mm -hmm. And it turned out, you know, that the idea got a lot of attention um, once it turned into a Tonight Show because, you know, the structure of it, of bringing people on quickly morphed itself into being a Tonight Show because, uh, you know, well, it's all these other things. It may as well just be all the way that, um, all the way on that concept. Um, but that concept got a uh, few creators excited, like a professor, and uh, now it's turning into less of just a commander show and more of a variety hour or half hour. <laughs> well, no, that's really cool. I will admit when I first heard um, you talk about the Tonight Show and before it aired, my first thoughts were like a Tonight Show, like what the <laughs> heck, like. 
okay. Yeah. I, it was just more of okay. Um, you know, yeah. is this just going to be a sort of different, you know, kind of talk show that we've seen before? And I will say I've been pretty impressed with the production value you've put in so far. Oh, thank you. Um, and I guess my first question is I have to ask, how many people do you have on your team right now? Um, so the way that it works is um, I do all the pre-production where I handle the guest and the musical act and the crew. Mm-hmm. And so I tell the crew, which is uh, just a few guys, um, Brandon, Victor, Brandon White, and Keith Burton, I say, hey, can anybody do this day? And on the first day, it was everybody, so we could kind of get oriented. And then uh, we all show up, put together our gear that we have, and uh, I say, all right, this person will direct this time. Uh, you're going to do it next time, and then you'll do the next one, stuff like that, uh, so that there's a clear head to things. And then um, we shoot the show, and then I go and shoot the musical guest by myself. And then I edit it um, in my home office and at work because I'm a broadcast editor. Um, Nice. Yeah, it's really convenient. And the the people that I work with are super supportive, and they'll come in and, you know, see the show on my uh, monitors and stuff and, you know, uh, be supportive about it, which is really nice. Uh, when I'm not working on something else, I can back burner this. But um, yeah, so I got it to a point where the editorial is totally streamlined, and whenever a card flies up on screen, it's just a drag and drop effect. So we shot Prof's episode last night, and I shot the musical act on Monday. So hopefully by tomorrow evening, I'll have a rough cut done, mm-hmm. and by Wednesday, I'll have it posted. So uh, that's pretty much the entire workflow is I've got guys with me, um, whoever can show up uh, just for the day of production. And they run the cameras and make sure that, uh, since they're DSLRs, that they don't shut off automatically. Because uh, every 11 minutes, they want to turn off automatically to catch up with encoding H.264 or something like that. I okay. don't know. Uh, something like that. But, uh, yeah, so they man the cameras, and um, they run everything by me, but I trust them enough to be able to handle it themselves. Uh, we did shoot a pilot episode with Chris, my episode two. We'd actually shot that episode before, mm-hmm. but we had one error with the audio where we had to Ooh. toss the whole thing. Oh, it was terrible. huge. Even though we had backup sources, those backup sources weren't good enough um, because they were 10 feet away. And I had uh, tweeted uh, uh, Graham Stark and Josh and Prof, and I'm like, guys, what do you think... Uh, I should do should I scrap this and uh, the consensus was yeah dude my advice would be uh, come out swinging so um, that might be okay later on but you should really put your best foot forward first and mm-hmm. I feel that we did that um, the first show was shot uh, with two uh, <laughs> the whole thing was so jacked up and now it's fixed but um, we shot my angle with a 10 year old camera uh, I've actually got it right here so, this thing shoots on tape. Um, oh, man. Yeah, mini DV tapes. Oh, God, throwback. And it's a fantastic camera. Like, the picture looks great. Mm-hmm. But getting uh, things captured off of mini DV tapes is terrible when it's an hour of footage at a time. Yeah. Uh, like, when it's smaller chunks of things, it's easy. Um, but, yeah, I needed to move away from that. So, that was my first camera. My wide shot... Um, was my phone and the other shot was a uh, DSLR 
So now, since then, I bought another DSLR, and we've got a third DSLR that a friend has. So uh, the whole thing is becoming easier, but the first couple of shows were impossible to kind of get through emotionally if I didn't have uh, such great support from people. Because uh, all those formats want to fight you. Like, the oldest tape format and the newest uh, iPhone format and stuff like that, even at a broadcast facility, it's tough to work with. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I just shot a little mini vlog at GP Atlanta with just my iPhone. First time ever doing a kind of vlog thing. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, Yeah. And just, I, I was first trying to upload all the footage on my Windows PC and my my editor my um or my movie editor i was i'm using sony vegas was yeah. fighting me hardcore just to do it and i'm yeah. like all it's right h265 yeah that's what and it so is so i'm like okay screw this i've got a macbook pro but i i've never used iMovie before at all um so i uploaded it all on i iMac or the MacBook and learned iMovie really quickly thank god yeah. that thank god that program's really easy to learn cuz i'm not I'm not an editor or anything like that at all. And I have to say, I, I I don't know if it's a trend or maybe it's just my small circle of MTG people, but I feel like there's, because not only you mentioned you have skills in broadcast editing, who else was it? I know Life Begins at 20 is a broadcast editor, but he's not doing magic anymore. There's someone else too. Um, um, it might be uh, Mythic, Mike, Mythic Tales. Yes. Uh, yeah, he does it. animation stuff. Uh, and then freelance. I, I think. feel like there's one other, but no. Um, uh, Josh Lee Kwai is a <laughs> career yeah. editor. Yeah, and it's like you guys. When I watch, you know, your kind of videos, it's like you guys just make it look so easy. But I mean, I'll, and from it, what it's I, easier than you think. Uh, like when you use iMovie, uh, I could do the entire show in iMovie mm-hmm. if I really, really had to. Um, it would just require producing it differently. So, like I said, I shoot it on my phone, and you know, I feel it pr- came out pretty good. Like mm-hmm. all the tools that we're using, uh, for the most part, excluding the set and a few tripods and stuff like that, um, were things that I just had over the years. And yeah. uh, if I didn't have these, like if I didn't have this microphone, I would just put my phone on uh, voice memos and put that somewhere on the desk where you couldn't see it. Like <laughs> anyone who says like, oh, if only I had some pro equipment, then I could do this. No, that's not true. We were shooting on tape, man. We made this oh, happen. Yeah. And so can you. And, oh, yeah. uh, you can. It just it takes time and patience and experience. Um, You know, I yeah. just recently started bringing this podcast to video because for like the first two years, I did nothing but audio. And I'm like, you know, I want to try to get my YouTube numbers up. I mean, my YouTube numbers are abysmal compared to my audio downloads. Um, so I've been doing the video now and obviously with video like this, like there's not going to be a whole lot of editing between this interview right here. Right. It's just basically going to be here, upload it. Here you go. Um, that's about it. But that's kind of the format that, and I like that. Like in this case, we know that everything, uh, that we say is going to be in the master file. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as long as you create content for the means that you have, uh, then it, it, it's all kind of starting at the script level. And, you know, in your case, it's like uh, your script is just a format, um, which works. Like, we know the rules. We sit down mm-hmm. and we do this, and it comes out the way that it should. Uh, 
so if I didn't have three cameras, I'd find a way to do it with one. And if I didn't have one camera, uh, I'd shoot it all, all on my phone, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's like when you have a good uh, premise or something, uh, you'll find a way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially when you get excited. Um, You know, I don't know how long you've been doing magic. How long have you been doing magic content creation? Because I know you said you did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Well, um, it's kind of complicated. I uh, reached out to a lot of people last December because I was interested in doing a lore channel, but uh, I wanted to do it like as a radio drama. And, you know, since I have a production background and stuff, I uh, could mix it the way that I wanted to and do some card animations because I know After Effects pretty well. And mm-hmm. uh, my heart just wasn't in it. Like I saw, you know, there's this place in the community where that might be fun and people were amped about it and people were sending me supportive messages and stuff, but. Yeah, I wasn't in it. And uh, so I took a break for a long time. Uh, you know, I had been working on that behind the scenes for about a month before launching pretty much anything. Um, and then I got focused on uh, getting this current job that I have. It was like four months of applying to get this. And uh, finally landed it. And then uh, life sort of cooled off. And at the beginning of the summer, I posted on Twitter saying, hey, I'm a broadcast editor, and I posted a picture of some of my setup, and I said, <clears throat> I want to work on your MTG content for free. Put me to work. And uh, Josh Lee Kwai reached out, and he said, hey, man, DM me. And, uh, you know, it, I don't really want to talk too much about behind-the-scenes stuff, but, uh, yeah, it, I mean, that was a, one of the freaking coolest things was to be able to run in the house and be like, Ashley, oh, my God, uh, Josh Lee Kwai just <laughs> followed me. Uh, he just messaged me, you know, all these exciting things. And the same thing happened with Prof later on. But, uh, you know, um, I've been a showman my whole life. I've been a musician on stage. Uh, I was always a kid in the back of the class making jokes. And for a long time, I was a huge jerk in high school before I learned, like, yeah. you know, it's probably not cool to just be an asshole to people. But, um, but yeah, I was always finding myself working the room as a server or whatever it may be. And, uh, being able to just talk about magic in the way that I enjoy without having the limits of a format or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, where I'm required of like, I'll be the lore guy have to be the lore guy. Like I want free reign to kind of do whatever I want. Um, that's how I kind of ended up here. And, uh, you know, before that I did some X wing content. I did, uh, X wing hanger by hanger bay, which was, uh, it was a really small project that I had worked on during my internship and mm-hmm. it did some 3D stuff and some animation and stuff uh, but it was way too hard to produce uh, to be able to be sustainable and uh, so that was uh, February 2016 I'm jumping around so I'll no, try to go good. in order you're good you're so good. February of 16 I did this X-Wing Hangar Bay channel I had a lot of fun with it and then I closed now, the book and moved on now, now that's the, that was the Star Wars X-Wing game Right, the X-Wing okay. Miniatures game. And okay. I loved that game. I was pretty good at it. And uh, then I discovered Magic in April of 2016. And, uh, you know, I, I have definitely filmed a couple of pack openings in front of my camera, but I never released them because, you know, I didn't feel I had anything important to say at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I started working at a manufacturing company as their end-to-end media guy. And... Uh, you know, we did some Kickstarter projects and stuff like that. And eventually I was like, hey, I feel like I've got this pretty good idea for a life counter. And uh, 
So I gave him the designs and a instruction manual, and we did a Kickstarter for it and uh, raised uh, 18,000 bucks for uh, Mojo, the best digital life counter. Uh, you can get them for 13 bucks on Amazon, and uh, they're pretty darn good at what they do. Uh, they've like got a the secondary Mojo? counter for Infect and stuff like that. But um, So that was uh, 2017, and around GP Vegas is oh, so when wait. we were doing that. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you helped work on that? Uh, I designed it. Um, oh, I marketed it. Uh, I, I don't know how to code anything, but I drew up the screen, uh, yeah. the surface on it. I created 3D files, and uh, Dude, they awesome. took care of the rest. Like, uh, Yeah, I mean, it was a really fun project, and uh, I think that the product turned out fantastic. It's definitely, like, the tagline is no lie. It's the best digital life counter that's out there. Like, you can flip it so that your I opponent's... Uh, faces them. Holy crap! I had no idea you made that too because I've I've never used it, but I've seen it around like at my LGS really? and um, cool. <laughs> so I so the Amazon thing. Sorry to veer off track here. I just got a quick question. How is this used for D and D as well? Um. So imagine this: you've got your hit points, um, and you know certain other resources and stuff like that. Um, you can yeah. turn it off, and when you turn it back on, it's got the same thing. So if you okay. throw this thing in a dice bag, uh, the next session that you come back to, it's going to be on the same thing. Um, and, you know, the DMs have uh, sometimes used them for other stuff. I'm not that much of a D&D guy, but one okay. of the guys at the office was, and he found uh, plenty of uses for it in our games. But, um, yeah, the thing that was like the major selling point was um, it's you can save your phone's battery and you don't have to have your text messages and stuff. Uh, pop up, which I'm yeah. sure people have found workarounds and stuff, but uh, it also fits in a deck box and the battery lasts, you know, months. I kept one on in my car for God, it must have been like nine months before the thing died because it was based on old technology. Yeah. Uh, low energy stuff. And uh, dude, yeah, it's, so. it's awesome. I just bought one, by the way. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's like a whole saga in my life, and, uh, you know, I, I moved on to other stuff in uh more in the field that i was focused on but yeah those guys are still out there and they're uh working hard on it and uh it's a cool product but um yeah so i went from there uh into working on commercials i did a thing for t-mobile and overwatch which kind of kick-started my whole uh broadcast uh career and then uh moved on to um <laughs> other stuff you know, I don't want to give away the clients that I work with, even no, though it's no big okay. secret or anything. It's just uh, uh, if you have cable TV, you've definitely seen my work at some point. <laughs> oh, I haven't had cable in over 10 years. But Good. M m maybe I've seen it. I don't know. I yeah. I'm all Netflix and Hulu now. So Good. The world has uh, too many commercials on oh cable. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it does. Like every time I go to my mom's house, you know, she you know, they still have cable and all that. And they're watching a movie on TV. I'm like, how, how do you watch a movie on TV now? It's like yeah. commercials every <laughs> 10 minutes, but yeah, I mean, it's a nice, uh, rhythm to have a moment to get up and do something else. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, just the way that the audio signals are all compressed and it's all the same yeah. volume and stuff, uh, on average, it, you know, it's not that fun for me. So let me ask you, go, go into more technical questions here. Um, so, as a broadcast editor, is it are you mainly editing commercials or is it mm -hmm. so is it mainly just commercials then? Uh, yeah, there are some things like I'm working on a feature film uh, for an indie uh, <clears throat> excuse me an indie feature film on Monday. Okay, um, but uh, 
most of the stuff I do is commercials and uh, we have one client that um, I do a lot of stuff for and uh, you know other huge clients will roll through the door and stuff and it's so exciting um, for the first little bit and then it's like oh yeah uh, this person's here and then that person's next door and it's like all these major worldwide brands and stuff and it uh, yeah, you get desensitized kind of to oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like holy crap I can't believe I'm working on this for that person or Whatever it may be. So I guess from uh, the question that I have and the only kind of editing I've ever done is back in, um, b besides editing for this podcast, um, b back in high school and a little bit of college, uh, my buddies and I would make quote unquote movies, right? We would you know film stupid little short films, right? Um, so I understand a little bit of the editing process of how to shoot movies. I mean, just from what we could muster up. So I'm yeah. guessing how different or what's the kind of mindset you have to have for editing a commercial versus a movie or, or even a um, TV show? So before I started working on commercials, I told myself that no shot um, <clears throat> can be shorter than two and a half seconds, okay. uh, barring uh, some kind of like jump cut, you know, sequence or something like that. But now in commercials, um, the shots will be, you know, three quarters of a second and you'll still get all that you need. Uh, to be able to move on and um, a lot of uh, a lot of the workflow is different because we need to make a product that we're happy with for sure mm -hmm. but you also need to remember it's not your product if the client is happy uh, with this sort of thing even if you disagree with it uh, or you you know may change things if it was your cut if they love it you've done your job so I've kind of developed this philosophy to um, do the smallest amount of work to perform the function effectively. Um, and the key word is effectively. Um, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, you know, you're just being lazy. But um, it, so that you can work in time for other things. Yeah. So on this one campaign that I've been working on, um, there were 16 different uh, commercials that um, you know needed to be versioned out for different divisions of the company with different logos and stuff like that. Like uh, this isn't my client, but uh, like Carl's Jr. and Hardee's are called different things in different parts of the country. Yeah, yeah, they're Hardee's over here. Right. So uh, we get uh, we have to make commercial versions for each of those. So what was sixteen commercials became one hundred and sixty. Holy uh, crap. <laughs> Right. So I need to, um, it's more about the infrastructure and saying, okay, so I can do this one time and it's super easy. But when I multiply that times 160, is there any way that I can make that process go faster? Mm -hmm. So a lot of keyboard macros and uh, stuff like that, you know, mouse triggers and things like that that actually make a difference in the workflow. Um, like when I'm working on an indie film, it's all about the art. You know, yeah. I want to sit there and uh, make sure that scenes playing out right. And uh, the edit in a commercial goes a lot uh, faster and is complete a lot quicker than uh, something that's more loose and fluid. Um, mm -hmm. And it's all about delivering and making slight tweaks because uh, the client doesn't really want to do this with that. They like this. Okay, we'll swap that out. It's all mechanical. Um, okay. So you have to be a technician and uh, an artist. 
Okay. So, that... you know, you can be either one primarily, but uh, yeah. Okay. No, I'm just, I'm always curious about that kind of stuff because for a while there, I thought I wanted to really get into the editing game because that was always my favorite part of when we used to shoot these little short films was just the editing yeah. part. Make a, it's supposed to be a 10 minute video would take us hours just to, yeah. you know, edit out. Um, so I, I guess my next question with that, and then we'll try to get back into magic. Sorry guys. I'm, I, I love this <laughs> kind of stuff. So <laughs> um, the, when you have a 30 second ad, how much raw footage is there that you have to cut down to get down to 30 seconds? Uh, so you'll notice on TV, um, a lot of the shots are slow motion now. So okay. especially like lifestyle stuff, like, hey, we're walking the dog. It's going just slightly slow motion. And if it's going slightly slow, slow motion, that means <clears throat> that we have at least double the frames that we normally do. Uh, so what, and uh, when you get that footage, they don't just uh, say, oh, play this back at 48 frames per second or 60 frames per second. Uh, they take that and they stretch it out. So what would be one minute of footage is two minutes of footage of slow-mo stuff. So uh, there are some shoots where I'll get hours and hours of stuff. But um, Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, just because it's uh, slow-mo. And, okay. you know, we're... Uh, if it's a food shoot, then we're throwing spices in different ways each time or uh, whatever it may be. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. And uh, on some of them, you know, it'll be it'll seem so simple. But if you're going to do something simple, you're going to do it perfect. And the yeah. people that I've been working with, they um, have been doing this for decades. Um, and they've all been kind of working with these clients for a long time, too. So. They've got it down to a science where they only shoot what's on the storyboards. And then I look at the storyboards and I'm like, all right, there's that shot. Uh, here's the best take. Let's throw it in. So, you know, I can have a 30-second commercial cut in probably two hours just um, as a rough and, you know, based on whatever I'm looking for. But whatever I'm looking for on my own isn't typically um, what they might want. Like, uh, my eyes will be on the smiling kid and their eyes will be like, yeah, but mom's not looking at the kid in that one or whatever it may be that's oh, important man. to them. It's, uh, you know, when you work on things where you're like, oh, yeah, well, that might not be important. Uh, that's somebody's entire job is to make that thing important yeah. uh, in that environment. So is it is it almost kind of that it almost kind of makes it sound like a little bit like Mad Men when they're trying to make ads <laughs> and sell ads like that? I mean, you're essentially having yeah. to create that that poster that ad but in a moving picture in a sense yeah i mean well the the people who do all the creative tend to show up in my office and you know i'll have a room full of uh you know three to six people depending on how busy of a day it may be or something mm -hmm. uh like they trust me enough uh after this amount of time to uh cut something on my own like i'm mm -hmm. pretty young for uh being in this career like i'm 25 uh so they were kind of apprehensive at first but you know i've gained their trust and so I'll cut something on my own and then everyone will come in and uh, will tweak it to match whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. But uh, these are the people who come up with these things directly. So I'm not having to make too many guesses or artistic interpretations. It's all just, yeah. you know, but the artistry comes into play when I have to say, all right, this scene isn't working. What can I do to fix it? Like I'm. Uh, not just someone who can assemble it. I'm someone who can tell a pretty good story. So if uh, these cool things happen first, and then this happens, that makes a whole lot more sense in our brain as we're unpacking what it is that's happening before our eyes. 
Oh man, that's I love that kind of stuff. I love that uh, post production type stuff. It's um I'm watching uh again my annual watch through of Lord of the Rings and <laughs> and I've seen all every single behind the scenes footage stuff of it and just a lot of the post production stuff is insane the amount of stuff yeah. they put in. even all the pre production stuff they did even yeah even th- the- that's how I got into that stuff was <laughs> watching those behind the scenes things it's <clears throat> like it- I can credit my whole interest in this stuff to um, uh, regardless of how you feel about episode one there is this uh, I still love that movie don't worry, don't there, worry. The, <laughs> on the special features there's a documentary called the beginning mm-hmm. it's an hour and six minutes it's totally worth watching um, yep, because they show it. you from script to screening how a movie is made in just about an hour it's totally worth it um, and even though they're old workflows the people who are there uh, still function the same way so anybody who's wanting to go into this stuff or go into film uh, school or something like that, watch that documentary and decide who you want to be. Just pick a person and say, all right, that person who's reading off uh, 1013 shots 104 are complete and delivered. Next page. Uh, Do you want to be that person or do you want to be the guy holding the boom pole? Do you want to be one of the guys who decides where the lights go or one of the guys who builds the lights? You know, Um, watch that uh, documentary and, uh, all the mysteries um, of like how these things happen will be revealed. <laughs> now, now, even that it in, like I said, I'm watching through Lord of the Rings again and, you know, I'm watching these scenes and I know how a lot of these scenes are made because I've seen so much of the behind the scenes and it just, it, the movie magic, it still gets me to this day yeah. of, you know, not so much. I mean, I hate to be one of those guys where it's like, oh, everything's too CGI. I mean, yet CGI is still pretty impressive, but I'm still yeah. a fan of all those practical effects that people have done in the past. Um, uh, It's just easier to be authentic than to try to trick us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hell, I mean, I know Gollum is CGI and all that stuff, and I I know how they made him, but even, you know, what, Two Towers came out in, what, 2001? Or, no, 2002? I think it was 2000, yeah, two or three. Yeah, yeah, and even today i mean yeah he, you can tell it's aged but it still looks really good even today yeah and, um, and i think that's just the amount of that they choose to use the tool yeah like uh, at the time everyone in the industry was saying stuff like see digital technology is a tool you know mm-hmm. um and some people overuse it and in a few years avatar is going to look bad but um at the time it blew our minds you know oh i know so if you are able to, uh, well, uh, visual effects wise, <laughs> story wise, that's kind of different. But um, if you're able to um, say, yeah, this can be an asset in augmenting what we're currently doing um, just a little bit, uh, then cool. But if you go full on, like, we're going to pave the way, like, I, I forget who um, said it, but it was something like uh, Pioneers Die and Settlers thrive or something like that um like if you're the guy who's george lucas and you're doing jar jar binks or whatever uh you're gonna screw something up and other people will learn from your mistakes yeah uh so i feel like peter jackson you know knew when to close the valve and say all right that's enough digital technology for today uh let's go back to our practical effects until he worked (laughs) on the hobbit (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then he got crazy and went 48 frames per second, which is, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. dumb. And the too much CGI. And all yeah. Um, 
But anyways, uh, let's actually get back into some magic here. So, um, magic. You, you were talking about you started magic in what, 2016, you said? Yes, April of 2016, so uh, Shadows would, Over Innistrad. Okay, so yeah, that was Shadows Over Innistrad. So, yeah, that, so that was your I, first time ever playing magic? The first time I ever played was uh, the Tuesday before the official release of Shadows Over Innistrad. I was oh, playing okay. a game of X-Wing, and I, uh, after finishing my game, there wasn't another partner around, so... I asked uh, the one of the game store employees, like, where are all the magic guys? And they said, well, uh, imagine you just got a bunch of new cards and you're not allowed to play with them yet. Do you think you're going to go to regular standard events? I don't think so. So we got to talking more and more about it. And I had seen some uh, unboxing videos from Boogie2988. Um, and I was fascinated. So uh, he cracked some welcome decks and we sat down and played and then on uh, release day, I got my uh, SOI uh, Deck Builders Toolkit, mm -hmm. a fat pack, and I played in a sealed event. <laughs> and I did terrible with green-white humans. Um, but yeah, it uh, th that's when I started. And it kind of came at an important time for me because, you know, like I said, I was a stepdad and mm -hmm. uh, I was a waiter and all these other things. That all kind of fell apart the October before that. Mm -hmm. And I was living at home and kind of back at square one. And, uh, you know, just trying to make it through a bunch of depression and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, this thriving community and a well-supported game uh, kind of caught me and, you know, blossomed into this thing that's a major part of my life now. Dude, that's awesome. It's, um, it's always great to hear newer players talk like that. Um, and, you know, I, I've been playing this game for way too long. Um, since what 97 98 and mm. it's i i still i still enjoy playing against new players or even helping new players get into the game because yeah. you can see how addicting and fun it can be so i'm a i'm an it manager by day and i've got like 13 employees under me and some of them have caught the magic bug they um, ever since magic arena has come out they've been all they talk about is magic sometimes and i've cool. even i've even brought in some of my decks i brought in my legacy elves deck just to show them the power of legacy um you know brought modern standard and all that and it's it almost feels like a mistake because now it's like all they <laughs> want to do is play magic i'm like no we got to get to work now <laughs> but, um, but like if you can take a new player and point him in the right direction and say uh, you should definitely spend your money on these things if you're going to spend some money. Yes, uh, but oh don't <laughs> buy packs. You know, just I've, I've been trying like to that. tell them that they they don't listen. They they just want to yeah. get more and more cards, and I'm like, stop it, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> if like, you want to crack packs, go draft. No, and um, when I just came back from GP Atlanta, I had a whole bunch of cards left from sealed events. I did. I just you know took out the good cards and just gave them the rest, and they nice. were so happy about that. And I'm like, yeah, take them, please. I don't need. I don't need any more. <laughs> I, I think around the two year mark is where we kind of pare down. Like these right here, apart from decks and my trade binder, this is everything that I own. I got rid of uh, something like 20,000 cards, and now I just have everything that's in this gift box. And it's just cards that were uh, that I decided... Uh, these are cards that I'd actually put into a deck uh, yeah. if I want to play standard constructed or uh, get it back into modern or whatever. I'm going to be making an order on TCG or Card Kingdom anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why keep these 15-cent comments around just in case? You never so. know. No, that's my problem. I have... God, I think I've got over 60,000 cards right now. And just, <laughs> um, 
and I've been so lazy about parent like paring it down and I'm actually going through a very long process of trying to keep a play set of everything like in every set because I have it all organized by set and oh, it's just yeah. a very long process of having to do yeah that. I mean I wanted to do uh, alphabetical and I wanted to collect all the sets and stuff like that and have one of everything but it just after a while it's like why you know I'm moving these things around I'm when I'm actually looking for a card that I need for a deck uh, it's taking forever to find it so how about just have a box where I know everything in it is useful everything is a playable so yeah you know you can't you can uh, throw a dart and find a card that you want to play have you gotten to the point where you're too lazy to look for a card and then you just buy it online anyway? <laughs> um, it only, only if I'm already making an order. Like, uh, in the case of ramp cards, I love uh, foiling out, like, my cultivates and yeah. stuff like that just because those cards are pretty and they're going to go in every deck anyway. So um, if I need to get up to 10 bucks or something to crack the free shipping thing, um, then I'll start, you know, lazily ordering cards that I already have. But, uh, <laughs> I also have to ask, like, okay, on a commander night or whatever it may be, how many copies do you really need uh, to make it through that night? So yeah. there are some cards uh, where I only own one uh, copy of Fetches and Shocks and stuff like that because um, on Wednesdays, if I really need to, just move them to the next deck. And then, yeah. you know... Have that be your primary, and then pull out this other one that's low power. Um, I tend to keep a pre-constructed um, Mimeoplasm deck just in case somebody has a low power deck. I can kind of match that and, you know, not just run over somebody. Yeah. So is Commander your kind of format of choice? It, it became that. Um, when, you know, I started uh, talking to Josh and stuff like that, I'm like, man... Uh, what if I, you know, what if this becomes kind of like my thing? And uh, then it, I, as I gave it more serious thought, I get to play so infrequently at the store mm -hmm. that being in an eternal format makes a lot of sense. I am not a spiky guy, so I don't uh, want to get into uh, modern or legacy. And standard rotates too fast. So that leaves limited and commander as cards that I want to own. So... I traded everything I have into uh, fetches and shocks, and from there, I can make anything I want. You know, I've I've got the mana base. I can, uh, if I want to do some whack jank deck, uh, you know, I'm free to. And now that shocks are so cheap, you know. Oh my gosh! Uh, yes, I love it. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Like I I walked in uh, to a four pack draft last weekend, and I wanted an overgrown tomb and a steam vents and. I walked out with exactly that because those were all opened at the table and I just told everybody, hey, if you get this, let me know and let's trade. And uh, so for 20 bucks, I played in a draft and walked away with the two lands that I needed, you know. And uh, what more can you ask for out of such an event? Now, not only that, but even the check lands are cheaper now too. Yeah. Which I love that because they're great in commander decks as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I, when, uh, what was it? Uh, Dominaria came out. Mm -hmm. I was trying to do this Joyra deck. So I bought uh, four copies of Sulphur Falls at like five bucks each. And I'm like, man, I really don't want to be spending that much on land. But then I was trading on Saturday and I uh, pull out these cards. I'm like, yeah, this is all I have. It's from a standard deck from last season. Uh, and this guy's like, okay, well, I can do 12 for those. I'm like, uh, 12 for the four? And he's like, no, dude, 12 each. And uh, so those things kind of went up uh, Wait, without Sulphur me Falls went, went up? 
Yeah. Oh, um, man. I mean, at the time that we did that trade, uh, like six, seven days ago, um, they were at 12 bucks, and I walked away with like an Avacyn and Divine Visitation and all kinds of fun cards that I'm actually going to play. I got to look um, that up because I've got so many copies of that. That's yeah. um, holy crap, they did go up. It's like 12 bucks. It was like five or six when it first came out. Yeah, there must be like a blue red spells deck in standard or something like that. Oh, yes. It's Is It Drake's and Jeskai Control right mm-hmm. now in standard are going in cra- crazy. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, that is one thing because um, I will do the same thing to rares and mythics if I have more than four. I'll pair it. I'll just, you know, keep the four and get rid of the yeah. rest. Unless it's a really, really good card or a really expensive card. I'm like, yeah. no, like I have five Teferis. And I'm not get, I'm not gonna get rid of that fifth one. Because <laughs> Teferi's yeah. just gonna go up because he's a ridiculous dumb commander. I love him yeah. though. He's my favorite. He's not commander, um planeswalker. Uh, yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, um I feel like standard can be a lot like uh, you know, after work softball or something like that. When you decide you wanna play in a season uh, you can check in and pay attention and get caught up pretty fast and uh, spend a couple hundred bucks on a deck and yeah. practice and get good and play these events uh, pretty much anywhere you want to. Uh, but it's just not something, especially with the show, that I can reliably do. So and it's not uh, sustainable a, either. It's so expensive. No, it's not. It, it's yeah, I mean, standard. I was a standard player for a long time and yeah. no longer. Yeah, standard has gotten way cheaper than it was. You just missed... If you started in Shadows Over in Ashrod, you missed the season right before that of thousand dollar standard decks. <laughs> did you wow. did you hear about that? No. Uh, so <laughs> so um well when Shadows Over in Ashrod came out, when that came when that first came out, that means Konzatark here and Fate Reforged just rotated out because that was when they were trying to do that shorter standard rotation. Yeah. The the deck at the time, there was actually two decks at the time. It was called Jeskai Black and four color rally um when you had the battle for zendikar lands and the fetches from m15 you could have four color decks at that point and fetches were 20 to 30 bucks a pop and the the dual lands from battle were always pretty cheap but then each almost each of the popular decks played four copies of jace friends prodigy baby jace and that was going for a hundred bucks a pop at the time wow yeah, so decks were reaching up dangerously close to a thousand dollars. I had I had this one guy that I knew in my at my LGS dropped nine hundred dollars for Jeskai Black, <laughs> and then he goes and trades it the following week because he did bad in an event. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, why'd you spend that much money? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think my favorite standard deck was uh, this Teamer Emrakul deck uh, around. Uh, Kaladesh standard mm-hmm. where you know you're trying to get all the card types in the yard so you have your uh, filigree familiars and uh, you know your vessel of nascency just to yeah. load up the card types um, and then cast Emrakul months later yeah. their turn but um, then I think two months into playing that deck Emrakul got banned yeah. and I'm standing there with all these cards that have nothing that they're ramping to anymore and uh that's kind of when I first said, all right, screw this. And uh, I took Wedge's uh, video where he talked about um, hedron alignment. I tried oh to do God. that. And, no, uh, why? So I traded pretty much everything <laughs> into hedron alignment. That deck was terrible. I still it have worked. all those cards. I wish it and, worked. Uh, I wish that card worked because I wanted <laughs> yeah. it to work. So I tried to make it work too. And it was, there was no way you can make that card work. 
It was just. And so I, I don't blame Wedge. Uh, <laughs> I just those cards are terrible, and you well, know, he was well, trying he, to make them work. And yeah. yeah. So then I had all these cards no one wanted to trade into, and uh, then I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting busy at work anyway. I guess I'll just not play Magic anymore for a while. Yeah, I had like three standard decks in a row get banned because of the whole freaking because what was it Emrakul and Aetherworks Marvel got banned and then Felidar I didn't play the cat combo because I knew that was coming I'm like I'm not going to waste my time playing that and then um, I played Teamer Energy for a long time and then they banned um, oh what's Uh, that Attune with Aether yeah Attune with Aether that got banned and I was pretty mad at Standard for a while I'm like what's the freaking point if they can't balance this correctly you know, yeah. um, my favorite deck was uh, the final standard deck I ever played was Pummeler Fling, and it that, was that's a team energy ish. Yeah, it was so fun because, um, like a lot of games, I would be sitting with somebody and they know that they have me, and I know that they have me, but I can top deck the win. So mm-hmm. you know, as long as I have a blossoming defense, a fling, or uh, some sort of trample granting spell, um, then I can win out of nowhere. And it not only upset my opponents, but it sucked to be on the winning side of the table when you, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, man. Here it is. Can you interrupt this? I, I you're tapped out. So here it is. Uh, I yeah. win. <laughs> no, those are some like, of the best times. Yeah, I mean, I I never felt like I deserved it when that sort of thing would happen. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's magic, though. I mean, it's, yeah. There, so many times have I won with just the top deck, and the same with my opponents too. I mean, it's called luck of the draw and um yeah. that's one of the one things i love with magic is um you know i my favorite type of archetype is control decks i actually just tonight finished building a grand arbiter augustine the fourth edh deck for the first time i'm not familiar with any of what you just said <laughs> okay so if you're not familiar with him he's probably one of the most hated commanders um if you can see my my video here he um okay. he's a four costing commander white spells you play cost one less blue spells you play cost one less and spells your opponents play cost one more <laughs> so i've wow so he's pretty commonly built as like a pillow fort you know control type deck um i so you must hate having friends uh, well little little <laughs> secret here it's my friends and i when we play edh it's we're all degenerate players I mean, okay. I've got I've got my best buddy. He loves playing Baral and Animar, and uh. we instantly try to kill him first because he's got too many stupid combos and too many dumb things in the deck. Um, and, or or if he's playing Nekasar, it's like, okay, you're dying. <laughs> Just hate people. <laughs> he um one of his favorite things to do with Nekasar is getting get get him um equipped with infect so that way you know when you're drawing and he's dealing damage to you oh you're all 10 poison damage bye bye <laughs> wow yeah it's bad I, I didn't realize that you could do that with like a poison arrow strategy with yeah it's it, it's dumb it's really dumb <laughs> um but um no with the deck i just built it's definitely a control deck but it's also a it actually control in both ways countering stuff and taking control of your board and you know your creatures mm. and all that and cloning your creatures as well and um then you know stupid planeswalkers doing dumb things <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like a lot of fun if you're in that environment uh with plenty of volatility coming at you yeah yeah i mean i, I think um part of uh why this show works is because i have to ask 
okay, I don't know what that is. What does that do? Because I'm so new to <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Like even Commander, I've only been playing for about a year now. Uh, so, you know, I, I know the ins and outs of the rules really well, mm-hmm. but uh, if you put a card in front of me, you know, it might be the first time that I've ever seen such a thing. And you know what? That's not going to change. It's I've been playing this for so long. There's still so many cards because I'm primarily like a standard modern player and I just mm-hmm. play EDH just for fun. And, you know, when I want to get away from that seriousness and um, there's still so many cards that commander players play. And I'm like, what does that even do? Because, you know, it yeah. wasn't played during standard at the time when it came out. You know, it's yeah. there's so many at, at the time, you'd look at it, if you tried to build a standard deck, it's such a jank card. It's like, this will never work in standard. And then it works perfectly fine in EDH. And What's that uh, five blue blue enchantment from Eldritch Moon? Um, oh, the Mind's Dilation? Mind's Dilation. Yeah, that's in yeah. this deck. And yeah. I, I love that. I love that That's card. one of those cards. <laughs> like That was actually the replacement for Emrakul in that Teamer deck. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't work at all, because you're relying on your opponent's deck, but... In Commander, that card comes alive. It's such a dumb card. I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah. Well, here, let me just talk about some of the other cards here. Now you got me all excited about this. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're new, do you know about Fate Spinner? No, what's that? Okay, hold on. Let me find it here so I can read it. Um, Fate Spinner, that's also a really dumb card, too. Um, so it's a one double blue creature. Um, it's a human wizard one two at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep that player chooses draw step main phase or combat phase the player skips each instance of the chosen step or phase this turn (laughs) so so each opponent you know you have to have them they have to choose something and then they skip that so that's really good for you know oh yeah you're gonna skip combat phase okay now now you can't attack or anything or you're gonna skip I'd imagine people choose combat as frequently as they can most of the time, because um, this this card can come out pretty early, so yeah, you're gonna they're gonna skip combat and they're gonna figure out ways to get rid of that, obviously. But it's it's a really fun card. Um, Thank God it's not legendary. It's not right. No, it's not. Okay. So yeah, you can clone it if you want. Um, yeah. I'm trying to find what else here is a really fun card. Of course, I had to put Approach of the Second Sun in here just for yep. you know giggles. Just, just yeah, for that, another. That's part con. of my enchantress deck. Is uh, I, I went with uh, Kineos and Tiro, uh, the four color oh, non-black okay. commander for my enchantress deck, so I could have possibility storm and stuff like that. Ooh, ooh. I, I built him one time, or built them, or, um, and I made it a group hug deck. Yeah. And group hug is fun, but it's only, I, there's, it's kind of hard to get a win con sometimes. Yeah. On that. Like approach is a frequent win con for something like that, or yeah. I was trying to do locust god as my win con, or whatever but uh and now that it's mainly enchantress like uh the point of enchantress is you're drawing cards which yeah. plays perfectly well with uh a lot of the strategies that are in that uh, and approach being one of them yeah it, it, i mean yeah because you could be able to set it up to where you draw more cards and all that um yeah another one of my favorite cards i put in was the m19 chaos one you're familiar with that one no what is it um, it is a three-costing artifact. You pay for to tap it. Target opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile an instant or sorcery card. Then you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then put the exiled cards on the bottom of their library. So it grants the creature that? No, 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 no. It grants... So you, you would target an opponent, and then you get to cast one of their instants or sorceries right. from their deck. 
and then you whatever it does you cast it and then the exile the cards that they exile just goes on the bottom of their library see that's what commander is about for me is um we're there to play magic not to win <laughs> magic so uh play the chaos wand play the mind's dilation or whatever because let's see what magic can do. Let's see what uh, yes. chaos reveals for us today. Yes, that's what I love about commanders: the shenanigans, just like that. Yeah. It's um, today, uh, we want stories. We don't want wins. I mean, you know, winning's good. Well, winning is fun, but <laughs> I mean, the, the, everyone has their one win deck. I mean, it 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 depends. Like, if my buddies are playing their stupid degenerate decks, I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, guns are swinging now. I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. So it's gonna be like that. <laughs> okay. Right. So I'll play my Crufix deck. My Crufix deck is my best deck that I have. I've I've been playing that. What Crufix came out Journey into Nyx, and that was what year? 2013, 2014. I th I, yeah, probably 14. I'm yeah. not sure. So I've been playing him as my commander since that long. God, it's been four going on five years. Jeez. Um, and that's my best deck that I have, and it's such a dumb deck. I mean, I don't have any infinite combos in it. It's just, you know, I mean, if you're aware of what Krufix can do, he's just a dumb commander. No, uh, uh let me know. I'm I'm new here. Okay, so sure. I, I mean, I, I, I love talking Krufix about is. So Krufix is a god. Um, he's a, I don't know if you know what the gods do in the Theros block. Um, yeah. Uh, devotion activates yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So he's the Simic God, a Krufix God of Horizons. You have no maximum hand size, and any mana you don't use in a phase gets turned into colorless mana instead, so you get to keep it. Um, oh. So essentially, I call my deck the Bank of Krufix because I will just start accruing a bunch of mana to just cast really dumb spells like, hey, nothing's wrong with a turn five or turn six, you know, Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger, right? And just yeah. start, you know, doing degenerate things or, okay, so I'm... So that's through... Uh, each turn, not just uh, until end of turn. Yeah, it, it it will last as long as Crufix is on the field. Wow. That mana will stay there. So then you play really dumb things like Seedborn Muse, which you untap all permanents during each other player's un upkeep or untap step. So I'm just yeah. gonna keep getting mana, a crap ton of mana, so that when it comes to my turn, I'm just gonna play whatever I want. And so I've got all the Eldrazi in that deck, um, and then. You know, I've got omniscience, so I can cast everything for free. Um, yeah. And then so many draw spells and so many counters, and then it's just okay. I win type thing. Yeah. The, uh, I think omniscience is uh, my favorite reprint. Yeah, uh, I'm glad they because it. I. Yeah, I I play this Jota deck, and uh, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> uh, so my whole thing is, um, as long as we're all playing nice. I'm just going to cast big things for five mana. And, you know, if you've listened to the Command Zones episode about uh, stats, the player who spends the most mana uh, typically wins. Um, when you're spending five mana for a nine mana spell, uh, personally, I feel like you're spending nine mana. But yeah. um, so, you know, like uh, giant Eldrazi or whatever, I'll just cast them one by one. Here's an Ur Dragon. All right, I'm attacking you. Here's a permanent and stuff like that. But when it's time for the game to be over, I uh, play Conflux, go grab Brass's Bounty, um, what do you call it, uh, Enter the Infinite, and uh, a Counterspell, and a few other things, but um, the whole thing is I play Brass's Bounty to get enough treasures to be able to play whatever I need to, um, so it'll usually be Enter the Infinite, and then once I have Omniscience in hand, I'll drop that, 
play the entire deck. It all has haste from Samut and double strike from Gorging Ceratops, or I forget what it is, but uh, so then the swing out. And it doesn't have trample. It's easily interrupted, yeah. so uh, it's not like a turn five I win. It's like, yeah. is anyone going to do anything about this? And if it's if you're not, then it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds fun. I, I was thinking about building Joda, but Eh, I, I've been I've been really wanting to build a Moldratha deck because ever since mm-hmm. I saw Moldratha spoiled, I'm like, I need to build something. But I want to build it. Yeah. I don't know, not the same as everybody else. It's that that's my problem. There's I I used to have so many commander decks. Like I had maybe 15 commander decks at one point, and I took apart all of them except three because mm-hmm. a lot of them were just simple. You know, there's really no other way to build this commander like Nekasar, Locust God, um, yeah. Nin the Pain Wizard, um. Oh, what else? Gisa, um, the the mono black Gisa. I can't remember the name. Um, you know, just just all those. And um, it's I've been getting to the point where I want to find commanders where it's they're just not so straightforward. But I don't yeah. also want to pick a commander where oh I'm just picking you for the colors and that's it. You know, I want to yeah. if I'm going to build a deck, I want to make sure the commander is utilized in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, I, I mean. To the opposite of that, I've also been thinking about Highlander. Like, oh, so okay. as a commander player, uh, am I able to shuffle in my commander and have a Highlander deck that functions <laughs> generally the same way? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with my Enchantress deck, uh, that is the case. But with my Jota deck, absolutely not. Because yeah. there are only two cards that, uh, you know, put you where you need to be. Um, so I feel like that's the. Uh, source of a really strong flavorful deck is if you're able to shuffle that commander in like you know we have to prepare for exile or uh used yeah. to be tuck you know um if you're able to get rid of the commander and just have it be would it be the same deck yeah uh, and i think uh blue black zombies uh with you know geese and gerald is like that um, be, yeah. so that's probably going to be my next one is you know just a classic zombie deck yes that yeah, I, I haven't played the blue-black version, but I played the mono-black, and it's just um, you get something like Crypt Breaker out, and yeah. it's just, I'm just going to keep drawing. I don't care. Um, <laughs> that card is so freaking good if you can get it turn one. Yes, it is. And um, what's also crazy is you wouldn't think black can generate a lot of mana, but oh my gosh, it can have the possibility of generating so much mana. Are you talking about uh, just Urborg and uh, Urborg, and then the Cabal Coffers, um, and then that new one, that Cabal Stronghold? Yes, yeah, and then Nykthos, of course. Yep, yep, that too. Um, yeah, so I've I've been I don't know I've been sort of like I said I just built a deck tonight. I haven't even played it, so it's going to go through a lot of iterations. My latest deck that I've been playing a lot is Psy Master Thopterus, and okay. um, and are you aware w- with what he does? No idea. <laughs> okay. Um, where is my deck? Um, you know what? Hold on one second here. Standing by. You know, I want to pull it out because he has been one of my newest creations. And yes, he does have an infinite combo in it, but it requires like five or six cards to get it off. Okay. So it's not one of those, oh, it's a two, three card combo and boom, you're done. It's not a Dead Eye Navigator type thing. So, so like if you get this combo then you deserve it yeah like if you're letting <laughs> me get you know a five piece combo out what are yeah. you doing um so yeah. Master thopterus is a two and a blue card he's a lead he's a human artificer whenever you cast an artifact spell create a one one thopter with flying 
and then you can pay okay. one in a blue sack two artifacts and draw a card so you can get them out as early as turn two and just start basically i call it i start pooping out thopters <laughs> and i just have a very scary board presence especially when i get some thopter or not thopters uh some artifact lords out where i just pump up everything it yeah. just gets chief of the foundry yeah uh, just gets so dumb so i mean yeah. my and another crazy card that turns out to be really good since i play a lot of artifact spells a lot of cheap artifact spells um the card paradoxical outcome yeah have do you know what that does uh, I believe it's four blue blue create a token that's a copy of top target artifact and then create a no. token that's I think well, you're, I, I think you're it. thinking of Sahili's artistry is that oh that's the one yeah so right, what's paradoxical outcome it's three and a blue instant return any number of target non land non token permanents you controlled or the owner's hand draw a card for each card returned to your hand this way okay so, yeah so it's this this deck is going to face a lot of board wipes because of just how quickly scary it can get. So I, you know, wait until they got a board wipe. If I don't have a counter in hand, I'll play this. So, okay, my board's getting wiped anyway. I'm just going to keep drawing my deck. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to find, you know, maybe some of my combo pieces. So basically the the infinite combo I have is the Crack Clans Ironworks combo. Okay. Where um, you just keep sacking your artifacts, return your artifacts, sack them until you just generate enough mana to play a really big walking ballista for like a million mana. And just kill yeah. everybody with walking ballista. So do you have an infinite mana combo in there, like basalt monoliths? Yeah, I've got a cart clan ironworks where I sack an artifact, add two mana to my mana pool, and then okay. I've got scrap trawler and um, what's the other one that can return artifacts? Um, there's another one. I'd, I'd have to look through it, but um, but essentially I just keep I play scrap trawler, sack it, return a zero cost artifact. You know, then play the other one that returns the other artifact and just keep generating a crap ton of mana. And then also at the same time, as I'm casting those cheap artifacts, I'm generating more and more Thopters at the same time as well. So I'll just keep, you know, sacking those to, you know, generate even more mana and just win. But it, it like I say, it takes like, it's a four or five card combo. And yeah, if you let me get that far, you know, you're already Yeah, doing that. that's your own fault. If you're letting <laughs> yeah. somebody do that. Yeah. But um, it's it's a really fun deck. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with it and just trying to make it as degenerate as possible. Because, <laughs> like I said, my, my friends they're they're freaking crazy. I've got this one guy. He plays a Derevi deck, and literally all he does is not allow you to play Magic. So it's a game. <laughs> so it's a game of trying to figure out how to kill him as quickly as you can. You know, while he's not wow. letting you, while he's not letting you play Magic. It's the dumbest I, deck. I know ever. how to beat that deck. Don't invite him anymore. Lose his number. <laughs> no, he's a really... Lock him on Facebook. See you later, dude. No, Thanks he... for playing. <laughs> he's a really good guy, though. He's um. Oh, it doesn't it... sound like it. <laughs> oh, no. It's... We're we're definitely the... I guess... What is it? Is it masochist where you enjoy the pain? Or is it sate? No. Or I can't remember. Is it sadist? No, sadist is where you enjoy inflicting pain on others. Masochist, masochist. Is, is when you enjoy getting the pain, right? I think. Because... Cause we're, we're, I, I'm neither. I, I try to make everyone happy. Is that well, all right? <laughs> well, no, no, no. That's fine. When I'm playing with people that I don't know, I'll play the yeah. lesser power decks, right? Like yeah, that's I where we bring out the bunny rabbits and the Feldegrifts. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll play my Omnath Locus of Rage deck, which, you know, even though that can be a very degenerate deck, but it's very easy to deal with. You know, you do one board wipe to me, and I'm like, okay, I got to start all over, right? And it's pretty easy for an opponent to understand what's going on yeah, with it, too. Exactly. So, 
uh, like, okay, well, that's Lance guy. All right, what yeah. are you doing? You're uh, go wide artifacts guy. You know. Yeah, but when it's my friends and I, we just all play the dumbest stuff. Like, you know, I got yeah. my, I got the Animar guy where it's like, oh, look, turn four Palacron infinite mana combo, and yeah, <laughs> and then we got Derevi, and then we got Baral, and then we got or Nekasar or whatever dumb <laughs> stuff. And you guys th- gotta film these. That'd be a lot it, of fun to watch. Uh, just uh, hate decks on every side of the table. It would be fun. I oh man, oh, you're giving me ideas here. I don't have a <laughs> camera or any any kind of rig. But what oh, would you got be, a phone, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's you got right. A rig. <laughs> now that that would be like that my would phone be fun. records longer than any camera I have. Yeah, yeah, that is. So true. I mean, just find a way to hang that thing, tape it to the ceiling fan. There you go. <laughs> you're done. I'm oh, no. serious. Someone turned on the fan by accident. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, there it goes. <laughs> That's what insurance is for. That that would actually be pretty funny um, to do that. But yeah. um, yeah. Oh, what what else was I gonna say? But yeah, like I said, it's when it, when I'm against other people, it's. But it's also it, you also have to watch out because when you play against other people, because I don't my area, it's super competitive with EDH. Um, mm-hmm. So. I'll, I'll play the easier decks at first, you know, the lighter. And then I see everybody else playing degenerate stuff. I'm like, all right, let me pull out the big guns here. And <laughs> Yeah, I got to show you that I'm one of the boys, too. All right. Yeah. The one thing I will not do, and not that I'm saying this isn't a valid strategy, is I will not do land destruction. Yeah. Now, I, I do have some cards and maybe one or two decks that destroy a land, but nothing that, you know, says, hey, I'm going to wipe out all your lands or anything like yeah. that. You know. Yeah, like strip mine is essential, but Armageddon is not cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sucks. I mean, not that I, I mean, if that if that happens to me, yeah, it'll really suck, and pretty much they're gonna win. But it's like I I refuse to do that to myself, you know, because yeah. it's just essentially you're taking away the fun from everybody. And isn't it interesting that we have a ban list, yet mm-hmm. we also have these social contract cards where it's like. All right, yeah, you can play Armageddon if you want to. I understand, uh, but uh, it's like, uh, why can't they all be social contracts? Like, yeah, uh, every single card on that ban list. Like, dude, Emrakul Eon's torn. Come on. Well, I'm. I mean, I kind of wish it wasn't banned sometimes, but I'm also kind of glad it's banned because it's such yeah. a ridiculous card. And then, yeah, it, when you're cheating it out, it's that's one kind of thing. But yeah, you know, I, I honestly feel that the Eldrazi um, from Rise of the Eldrazi uh, could have been done correctly if they were more about um, drawbacks on the card instead mm-hmm. of mana cost. Because at 15 mana, it's like, oh yeah, well, you'd never be able to get that out. Uh, so it can do everything and it's got Annihilator this and uh, protection from whatever but um, what if it said when this card leaves the battlefield you lose the game or some sort of drawback like that where uh, that, it's that'd like, be yeah, too much of a drawback out, what's that that'd be way too much of a drawback losing the game yeah well it, think of it like flavor wise this way if Emrakul has died and you're on the side of the Eldrazi uh, some shit has gone down <laughs> things have not gone your way and you will lose the game inevitably. So mechanically, can't we reflect that in the same way? I mean, I see where you're going with this. It would just, God, that would suck. <laughs> it's a lot like those um, end the turn cards. Yeah. Uh, like final uh, something. Um, like it's not unprecedented. It's just that would give you your battle cruiser magic if you can protect uh, these giant things 
for long enough, then uh, that makes sense. Uh, but all it's going to take is an unsummon to remove the thing, and yeah. you lose. Like, and I'm no designer, but just some sort of actual drawback instead of oh, it's 15 mana, because we all know no one's paying no 15 mana for Emrakul. <laughs> I mean, it, it could almost be something similar to oh, what's that card? Um, it's not Leveler. It's another one. It's like a four drop. 9-9 nine, nine or something like that and when you play it you skip your next turn so yeah. it could be something like that would be a little bit more fair than just say hey you lose the game if this dies Like, yeah something that's like a serious problem or how about this uh, when Emrakul the Eon's Torn leaves the battlefield skip your next two turns or, or e- even that I, I don't like that but one thing you could also do is maybe you Annihilator 6 yourself when it leaves yeah so. Something like that where it's like uh, it totally reflects how bad it would be if your big uh, baddie uh, yeah. was destroyed or some, you know, jank spell uh, took care of it. <laughs> like, I think protection from instance was wise because that removes all these, you know, swords to plowshares and it yeah. needs to be a board wipe or a sorcery speed, something that destroys it. Um, but I think that there is uh, some great space left for them to explore if they just would only use my ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think, I mean, unless, you know, we travel back in time again, I don't think we're going to see the Eldrazi Titans again. Maybe Emrakul (laughs) we'll see again, but maybe Ulamog and Kozilek, they're pretty dead. They're, they're, yeah, they're really dead. Um, yeah, it's just like these God cards. Like, what do you think is going to happen when you just create something that has no drawback? It's indestructible. And, you know, it's an emblem essentially. That's Pretty a creature. Much. Yeah. No. Um, it's, and I was a little disappointed with the new God cards they printed in Amonkhet because they weren't as exciting. Um, yeah. I mean, has they, a, they felt uh, like as gods among the people flavor wise, yeah. it kind of made more sense that they'd just be really good creatures and yeah. they're not going to get involved unless, you know, uh, enough on your side of things uh, or everything is just right, you know? Yeah, uh, unless it's on their terms, which is interesting. But calling them gods just doesn't feel right. Like, yeah. what if they were uh, lords or something else that wasn't a god? Because Theros gods are gods. Yeah, they were ridiculous amounts of powerful. And then yeah. we get these gods in Omniket, and it's like that's it. I mean, the yeah. the the ones in Hour of Devastation felt more godlier. Um, yeah, especially Scarab God and Locust God, Scorpion God, not so much. I mean, it's still, still a really good. It's still a good card in its own I mean, space, but when you com- sure. when you when you compare it to the other two, it's nowhere near as good. Yeah, um, I mean, Locust God is forever going to be interesting to people, and Scarab God is. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it has a place in a lot of my decks, like I mean, in my Jota deck, even like just reanimating stuff as a four four. Like I'm not playing any card that is just a body. Yeah, like, they've all got solid ETB effects. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, man. So I guess, what are some of your commanders that you're playing right now? You mentioned Joda. What else? Who Joda else is uh, my main. That uh, you know, since this summer, I've put a lot of energy into building. Uh, Kineo Santiro is yeah, another one. That's another one. Um, when I bought the second, uh, whatever you call it, the second greatest hits collection. Oh, the um, anthology one. That is, yeah, that's it. Um, I got Atraxa, and now I'm trying to build my own Atraxa energy deck, <laughs> Ooh, which is more just interesting. like, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a brew where, like, I don't know if you've ever made uh, soup or tried to make chili at home and have it turn into bean water, but that's kind of what <laughs> uh, Atraxa Energy has turned into. Uh, I'm going to crack that someday, but I'll be damned if I don't play a pummeler and commander. Uh, yeah, so Atraxa and then uh, Mimeoplasm is um, my stock um, pre-constructed deck that I leave alone. But, uh, yeah, I mean... That's kind of my whole life commander-wise because once I got so deep into the format and invested um, all of my card equity and money into it, um, I started the show. And the show has taken up uh, all of my disposable income. And, uh, you know, that's kind of why I'm not ashamed to start plugging the Patreon on it even though I'm just launching because, yeah. you know, these things aren't free to make um, and they take a lot of my time. So when I ask for, um, you know, Patreon donations and stuff like that, it's more like, hey, seriously, can anybody help me? It's not like I'm trying to make this my job. I just yeah. I need some help, you know, and I'd love to buy the crew a pizza or something like that yeah. just to, uh, you know, take care of them. But um, like as far as Commander goes, since I have so little time, being able to make it out to the shop and just get a deck on the table means a whole hell of a lot. So um, the Enchantress one and the Jota one really are my bread and butter, respectively. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. It's um, and I don't know. I I just I, I I'm surprised. There are sometimes I think about it's like why am I still playing this game? And then you just because <laughs> you know I've been playing this for so long, and I mean yeah. I have had breaks in between and all that. Um, and it's just, I don't know what they put in the water when you open up these magic cards, but there's just something so addicting about it. And I'm starting to yeah. finally put that in on my kids, especially my oldest daughter. My oldest daughter is 15 going on 16 and she, you know, she's taken on the EDH bug. She hasn't gotten the whole deck building bug yet yeah. because I mean, this may sound mean. I don't really let her I'll let her mess with my commons, uncommons, but I don't really let her mess with my really expensive cards because I've got a lot of yeah. expensive cards and all that. And not that she would purposely break them or anything, but I think it's just ignorance. You know, yeah. somebody doesn't realize. You know, you're holding a hundred dollar bill here. Yeah, like uh, maybe don't. Uh, you know, make yeah. nicks in the corner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like that, because you know, um, I I told her one time like my my crucifix deck. I think the value of it is like five or six hundred dollars and i told her yeah. just the way she was shuffling i'm like you know you're holding like five hundred dollars in your hand right now she's like oh and i'm like please be careful it's okay <laughs> it's yeah. just so it's that's the big reason is i'm just like i don't want you breaking something by accident here and you know yeah because my I'm, one policy with buying cards though uh for me to feel better about that kind of thing is any card that i buy or trade into i'm trying to keep for the life of the card uh and to me, it's like, I'm not going to trade into something because I think it's going to go up or I'm going to spec on something. I'm going to trade into it because I want to play it as long yeah. as it is legally playable, yep. uh, meaning unbanned or undamaged enough to shuffle up. Yep. So oh, I'm the same it's, way. It's I'm like not... giving me this freedom to shuffle a deck however I need to or let's, you know, let's screw them up and... Uh, <laughs> You know, like I played standard unsleeved for a little while. Ooh, uh, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> like it was probably just a hundred dollar deck all told, but it felt good to show up to the standard event and go. No, I and, know what uh, you mean. It's make people cringe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's. I mean, I'm 
luck lucky enough that this podcast helps me be able to feed my addiction of magic cards yeah. <laughs> so i'm i'm lucky enough to be able to get a case when each set comes out and um so it's you know i, I pretty much have every for the past three four years like every rare mythic you can think of in the past actually wait no i've been going on three years in february so for the past three years i've been lucky enough wow. to um you know be able to get almost cases of everything so i've got so much stuff i have so much i don't know what to do with it sometimes um <laughs> it's when my friends need cards i'm like yeah sure take them <laughs> it's like oh you I tell you what donate them uh oh i've donated I wish that a I had done lot this, of but, cards uh, a good friend of mine ronnie jones uh she and her family get a bunch of commons and uncommons together because um the there's this boys home or some mm -hmm. such thing uh in our area that she takes all these cards to so we've given her, you know, probably over a hundred thousand cards now between our friend group, just for these guys to take and build decks with and stuff. Because they're not going to know the difference between a, uh, you know, standard set giant yeah. growth and, uh, you know, whatever uh, card is actually good. You know, yeah. Like there are budget brewers out there, and with a limited card pool, these guys can do anything. So donate cards that you don't want. Oh, trust me, I've donated so much and still keeps growing. It's my awesome. problem. My problem is, like I was saying, I'm still slowly going through everything. So I'm hoping this next batch of me going through everything, I'll get down to maybe about ten to fifteen thousand cards, and then I will. I don't know what I'm gonna do with all that. I, <laughs> I don't know who's gonna want like fifty thousand cards all at once. So yeah, I'll, I mean, uh, put the word out. Uh, you know, you never know. Oh, the worst thing they can do is throw them away, which is what we were gonna do anyway. Oh man, it's so hard. Um, it's so hard <laughs> for me to like just say, hey, I'm gonna throw away these cards, which I've done plenty. And then what I also like to do every time I go to a GP is, um, I like to, especially when you know I open packs or you know, um, is sealed events or whatever is, I like to find some kids and just give them the cards. That's because cool. That's one of my favorite things to do is because you see them light, you know, their face lights yeah. up like, oh, my gosh, I got more cards. And just like, please take them. They're, they're almost there, like, there's nothing like finding a new player who uh, is a really good deck builder. Yeah. So when you see somebody who's like playing their welcome deck cards in a deck mm -hmm. uh, that knows what it's trying to be like, hell, yeah, I'll crack the trade binder right now. Here's some bulk rares. Here's a play set of bulk rares. Go make a madcap experiment deck or something yes. like like you go do something fun that I would never do uh, yep. because your brain is, you know, working on this with what you've got. Mm -hmm. And that's what I miss about being a new player, man. It's I'm so jaded with magic cards. Now I'll look at all the new cards in a set. I'm like, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Can't play that in standard. Can't play that in modern. Can't even play that in EDH. And I'm just like, I, I miss the feeling of when a new set comes out and you have no idea what's good or not and just trying to make something work. Yeah. I miss that and so I much. I think that I think Mark Rosewater's podcast like when you first start is like, wow, this is awesome, you know, I'm pulling out of my driveway. Like <laughs> it's it's really fun uh to hear the back end of all of it, but yeah. then uh once you look at a set and you're like, okay, that's where the 2 mana 2/2 two -two is, that's the bear uh, mm -hmm. It's in white this time. That's interesting. All right, and then over here we have this cycle of cards. That's interesting how they did that cycle. Eight mana, and they all crack to do something uh, that's in their color. You know, it just gets boring now that you know the yeah. nuts and bolts. It, it and, does, uh, like, it's so many times when a new set comes out now, and I, I just started on my podcast. I've been, I, 
I'm starting to do complete set reviews and I just Guilds of Ravnica was my first one and <clears throat> just going through that you see so many of the same cards not just the same name of cards but just the same cards that do the exact same mechanics yeah. and abilities that just with well, a different like this name. set the giant growth has two energy attached to it yeah fun <laughs> and like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock knock down the design or anything. It's just yeah, you it's start just seeing what, it's how the game is. The same it's patterns. And, yeah, I mean, how many times can I'm surprised they haven't stopped making magic at this point because really, th well, think about how it's been out for 25 years. Uh -huh. I still am amazed that they're coming out with new ideas. Now, now there's times they hit and miss with new ideas, but they're still coming out with brand new ideas that, holy crap, I never would have thought of sagas, right? I would have yeah. never thought of something like that. And I love that design space of sagas. It's such an interesting design space. Um, yeah. God, I mean... That's another thing in the Attracts Energy deck is the sagas. Like, how can we make those useful? Yeah. But... Yeah, it part of me thinks, okay, have we come up uh, with enough ideas? And then we look at these master sets, and they're like uh, trying to bring prices down and stuff like that. The packs are too expensive. Mm -hmm. So what if uh, the fourth return to Ravnica is just Ravnica? Could we re-release a set and still have it sell like crazy? You'd make a lot of unhappy people, though. Like if it I'm sure, but they're the doing that just set. fine right now in other areas. Like, never are they going to please everyone. I I just God, I can't even imagine the thought process. Like reprint sets are another, or you don't count that. But for a standard set for them to release, let's yeah. say Ravnica City of Guilds again. I don't know what would have to be going through their minds or the kind of board meetings they'd be having to say, hey, this is what we have to do to keep magic going right now. Well, all they care about, like, look at Ultimate Masters and yeah. all these buy box promos. Their philosophy is, well, if it doesn't sell, we won't do it again. But they, they're going to sell because they print oh, in yeah. limited numbers. So what if, at, uh, not just Ravnica City of Guilds, what about Innistrad, original Innistrad, Liliana of the Vell, uh, Snapcaster Mage. There's value in the set. Can we reprint it in standard? I don't know. I don't know. Now reprint maybe some of the cards in standard, but I don't know if you could. Just, oh sure, but I, uh, that's been done before. I'm talking about cloning something that's already been designed and proven to be banging. So why do we need to reinvent the wheel? Why can't players like me get to draft in Estrad? <laughs> I only no, got I, to draft I, shadows. No, I I see where you're coming from, but I just honestly. I don't know what it would take for them to do that. It would have to, magic Money. would have to be going in a very bad directions for them to, or they'd have to be completely out of ideas at that point. Well, to, hey, buy a box promos and all these other things that are happening. Uh, you know, five hundred dollar master sets or whatever the hell uh, yeah. that costs now. Uh, it's not like we're in the best territory that magic has ever been. Uh, we just are. We're we just rotated out an artifact block. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, Standard is not uh, in its finest hour. So, well, maybe it is time to uh, come up with new ideas. Well, I mean, Standard is in a much better place than it was. Um, be I mean, before Kaladesh rotated out, I mean, what, what were the Standard decks being played before Guilds came out? It was a lot of um, um, stupid energy. Uh, Chain Whirler. I mean, uh, yeah, Chain Whirler. I mean, he's still being played now. Um, but the meta's really shifted to more... I mean, now it's red, white now, and then is it yeah. Drake's and Jeskai? But right, I feel like Standard right now is in a much better position. And even, I mean, 
well, we don't know what uh, Ravnica Allegiance is going to be like. It may be Blue White City. It may, we may see a, I know you weren't around during the standard period, we may see a repeat of, um, what was it, uh, Return to Ravnica Theros where Blue White Control was r- running rampant everywhere because Azorius is going to be coming out in this new Ravnica set and Teferi yeah. is still a completely bonkers planeswalker. Yeah. And he's probably he's going to be getting way better come the new set in January. I'm really interested to see how they uh, handle this third set. So, like the lore, what we're seeing right now is uh, I'm not too deep into it, but mm-hmm. uh, planeswalkers are being attracted to Ravnica, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've got our first five guilds. This isn't like regular Ravnica blocks. Um, we got our first five guilds. We're getting our second five guilds. So, in the last set, uh, to sell some packs in the set that will be in standard for the least amount of time, are we going to see like six to ten planeswalkers? No, they, I don't think they'd ever print too that crazy. Many. Yeah, it's the most they'll print in a set would be the core sets would be five planeswalkers, but in okay. a in a multicolored set, probably what the third Ravnica set in the spring is going to be probably three to four. It's probably going to be another Nicobolus planeswalker if I had to guess. Okay, because right now the lore is you know Nicobolus wants to destroy Ravnica somehow, and they're trying to get some of the other guilds to do it. Uh, we don't know the exact story going on yet because the book is coming out. They're actually finally making a book again. Um, it's coming yeah. out what in April, I think next year or something like that march april um but essentially it's going to be the guilds like some guilds will be teaming up with nicobolus some of the others will be teaming up against nicobolus so it's going to be the Gatewatch trying to stop nicobolus and hopefully they finally freaking do that so we can get on with that story yeah the second act is over and uh our heroes have failed and now it's time for them to succeed yeah uh after learning their lesson the classic kembelian uh, story yeah i mean that like that's one of those things that it, like learning the hero's journey and stuff. It's so hard to yeah. watch a movie without being like, all right. Uh, so at page 12, they're going to be presented with a choice. And at page 15, they're going to have to make a choice. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to lose Obi-Wan at minute 60 and <laughs> at minute 90, something's going to happen. And then it, it, it's still, it's still a good, you know, it still works. The hero's journey it still, still works, works, but it's a lot like magic design where, uh, you know, here's a cycle of things cause we need that. And here's our, Mythic rares that do something splashy and yeah. uh, our vanillas and whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to... I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm really curious on what this third Ravnica set's going to be like. Because it's going to be a If you had to of... take a guess and memorial, memorialize uh, some sort of prediction today, what would you say that the third set's going to be? So you can say, ha, I was right. Or, yeah, or, I knew I was wrong. Like what kind of cards are going to be in it or what it's going to... Uh, what sort of set is it going to be? What's going to be the thesis of the set? I mean, it's going to be... I, I would have to assume it's going to be similar to what Dragon's Maze was. Hopefully, not as bad as Dragon's Maze, hopefully. <laughs> um, but it's going to be a mismatch, mismatch of all ten guilds. Um, we're probably going to see a lot less monocolored cards than in the because we we don't have a lot of monocolored cards in this set and it's probably going to be the same in uh, Ravnica Allegiances so I mean I have to guess that and then I'm going to guess we're going to get a Nicobolus Planeswalker maybe another Jace Planeswalker and I'd hate to say this but maybe another Vraska Planeswalker even though she's been printed so many times lately um, How many do you need? We got three in standard already, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Um, but 
it, it she would fit the story. If it's not going to be Vraska, then I'm going to guess it's going to be a Kaya Planeswalker, the one yeah. from Conspiracy, because she's on the cover of the new Ravnica book. And, and she was so interesting in Conspiracy. Like, yeah. uh, the mechanics of her. It's a rethinking of what a Planeswalker can be. I know, and I can't, we don't have, is she the only Orzov Planeswalker we have? I think she might be. I can't think of any I don't others. know. Um, uh, wasn't one, right? No, no. I don't even know where Tesa lies in the story. Oh, and by the way, John, uh, John Dunning from They Said We Said, he loves Orzov. Yeah. I just always have to say this. By the way, John, Orzov sucks. All right. <laughs> I just always have to tell, make sure he knows that. <laughs> That's in his Twitter handle, isn't it? Yeah, Orzov Dunn. It's terrible, uh, John. All right. It's bad. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Even sucks. though. <laughs> Even though I just got done reading the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, the new D and D book, yeah, I will have to say the Orzov Guild, the way they describe it, is probably the guild I'd probably choose because they operate they, they operate like the mafia, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally me right there. I Oper mean, I, it's organized, <laughs> and you have to look out for yourself. So yeah, uh, I think that it's funny that everyone uh, who's uh, trying to like figure out what their guild is, everyone yeah. wants to be is it, and I think that's because we're magic players. So yeah. you're smart enough to be able to have some fun while you're playing a complex game and mm -hmm. you're passionate enough about it to dump all your money into it. <laughs> so what is that? If not, is it? Uh, it pretty, so you're pretty much right on that. It's, it's kind of like this romanticized thing where like, oh yeah, I'm, is it? Uh, so I'm happy to call myself Orzov or uh, hell, I'll be Golgari if you need me to be. But um, <laughs> I, I think there are too many is it mages out there. Yeah, I I would I would have classified myself as is it or Demir for a long time. Now yeah. I'd probably have to go I'm starting to lean more towards Azorius where really? I I really enjoy saying no to people. I'm like and especially in your job, I'd imagine you're certainly Azorius. Oh yeah. Like so so being an IT manager, I'm in charge of our infrastructure, I'm in charge of the network, the servers you know the the storage you have it and i work for a medical company okay. you don't know how many times i have to tell people no for the sake of hipaa and security <laughs> um because you know the people will be like oh we need to build this new server we need to get this new product out there but we need to do xyz and when i find out more information of that oh i have to make things more unsecure i'm like no that's not i'm not doing that <laughs> just <laughs> and, make him an administrator yeah oh my why God. not you, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff I've had to do to get programs to work where I'm just, I cringe like it. And I, I always make sure I document, Hey, I've had to do X, Y, Z. So in the event, if we ever, something got happened, we got hacked or something, I've got my ass covered where I'm like, yeah. I told you. All right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, luckily we only have a few machines at my job that we need to take care of. And, uh, no one's really coming after us. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we can do whatever we need to. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, freaking, I'm glad that we, you know, I'm not working at a financial company because yeah. dear God, I'd hate to think of, and, and we don't keep any credit card information or anything like that for yeah. when we take payments at our clinics. It's all, you know, done by someone else. So I'm thankful for that. But when so it, your stuff can be fixed, whereas other things it's like there's I mean, actual people out there trying to crack into what you're doing i mean there's still people trying to crack in because you got to think about hipaa i've got patient demographics i've got oh, what is hipaa uh hipaa it's um oh God, i forget what the acronym stands for but it's protecting patient information it's protecting okay. private 
information. So when you go to a, a doctor's office, they've got all your information, your demographics, your social, um, you know, all, all that info, where you live. It's like doctor patient privilege, yeah. confidentiality. Yes. Yes. That. So we keep that all on our system. I mean, every medical company keeps some form of PHI, what they call patient health information. And, okay. um, it's your permanent record. Yes. And we have to keep that so tight. Like I have to keep everything very tight, like keep it locked down. And it's, you know, it's a ever never ending battle of having to, you have people that want to keep everything open. And then I'm telling them, no, you're not doing that. (laughs) And so, I mean, it's, it's my ass on the line. Like there's, um, I, I read so many stories, you know, of, other hospitals getting hacked and it's like, Oh, they've got to pay a, you know, $10 million fine, you know, to, mm. to whomever wow. for that. And I'm like, I don't want to be responsible for that. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. be, um, you know, subpoenaed by a court to have to come and sit down and tell them why, you know, something got hacked. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so it's just easier to follow the rules and be a jerk about following the rules and do it the right way the first time than, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's my ass on the line at that point. Yeah. It's like, I can't, and plus it's, you know, it's my team's ass too. I got to protect them as well. So it's, Jeez. I mean, it sounds daunting, but I'm so used to it now. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> another story. Um, One of the craziest things I ever had to do, and I love telling this story because, so I, I deal with radiology where it's a lot of, you know, you know, radiologists, they read studies, you know, you go for an x-ray or MRI and they, and a radiologist will read your scans and say, Hey, you came in because you broke a leg or something. Right. Um, or, or we deal with a lot of cancer as well. So the only time I've ever, so radiologists save a lot of people's lives and they also have a lot of stat cases. Patients come in the ER. So the only time I've ever indirectly saved someone's life before is, um, I got a call in the middle of the night at like two or three o'clock in the morning. It was a doctor and he had a gunshot wound on the table and they needed to find out where the bullet was. And the doctor couldn't get his PC up and running to look at the x-ray in time. So that quickly woke me up, right? I'm thinking, oh shit, this person's, whoever this person is, their life, their life is on my rest on my shoulders now so i get up you know get on the get on the computer fix it real quick and they were able to save that patient's life and um probably one of the scariest things ever you know (laughs) it's just like uh the regular everyday stuff but the stakes are impossibly high yeah i couldn't imagine that yeah it's probably pretty scary but that's only ever happened uh, that was like five years ago or something like that but i'll never forget it though because it's like yeah. doctor saying, "Hey, I've got a gunshot wound on the table, and um, I need to know where the the bullet is." And <laughs> just like, "Oh shit!" All right, wow, what a right now problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, hold on, let me have my coffee first. Yeah, uh, it's let's not take care of this now. It's not one of those. Oh, can you can we fix it in the morning type things? <laughs> yeah, jeez. No. no, but yeah, that that's my job in a nutshell. So, jeez. Well, uh, I'm glad somebody's out there doing it. Yeah. Otherwise, uh. You know, when the gunshots come for me, uh, <laughs> no one's going to be there to uh, save save my life if it weren't for you. Oh well, we're we're the we're the um we're sort of like the Wizard of Oz, the we're the people behind the machines or the behind the curtains. Yeah. I think. Um, I think that's what we all are. We're all yeah. uh, creating this Wizard of Oz, uh, and and you know, having the professor uh, here uh, in my freaking house. Uh, definitely yeah, that's really like cool. The man behind the curtain operating the machine uh, was here. It was so crazy. To, I know. Uh, I, humanized them. 
Yeah, because um, he I had him on my podcast earlier this year, and he's oh, a cool. he's a really really cool guy. Um, geez, I think our podcast was we probably I think it went almost two hours, and I would say probably more than half of the podcast was about Star Trek than actual. Magic, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he wanted to talk a lot about uh, Star Trek and Doctor Who when we sat down, and I tried to ask him so. If I'm trying to get into Doctor Who, I've only seen the uh, the ninth Doctor, and I didn't yeah. like that very much. If I'm trying to get into it, what do you recommend? And he's like, "Well, I you already saw it. If you didn't like that, then you're not going to like it." <laughs> he didn't want to like give me a straight answer, <laughs> and like that's what I admire about him is this friction that he's willing to give people. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it, it's like he also is willing to say. Um, you know, I I like it like this. Uh, love that. Cool. Not a fan of that. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Uh, and it, it's not and, like he and, was, and that's you know, critiquing it everything. It's just yeah. like when there was something that wasn't to his taste, he would tell me. And I'm like, man, so I can really trust everything you're saying. Because yeah. the one time, you know, uh, I proposed an idea uh, for a segment or something and he wasn't like, you know, uh, then he told me so every word that he gives you is the honest truth yeah it's um funny you mentioned that because when we were talking star trek what was it he was saying we talked about deep space nine but he's like oh anything after season five or six or whatever it's like i don't like it and then <laughs> same, same with others it's like i don't like star trek enterprise i don't like or i forget what he said um it's it was just very matter of fact like nope yeah. i won't like it and you can't get me to like it i'm like hey okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, he's exactly the person that he uh, portrays himself to be on the internet, which was and surprising I think, like, too, because I wasn't. Yeah, expecting that authenticity that. is yeah. like uh, that's the reason that you're able to keep going after all these years. Like I am just making assumptions, but mm -hmm. you know, you're someone who's been doing this for a very long time, and if you pretend to be somebody else, you know, there's only so long that you can do that and fake mm -hmm. a smile or whatever when you're not really feeling happy or something. And oh. It's uh, it's definitely learning hard, from, yeah. Learning from those tendencies of these people who are my heroes, you know, Josh was, uh, or Josh is a hero of mine, Prof's a hero of mine, um, taking all of the work that they've done and learning from it, um, I, I feel is, uh, it's not starting at zero, you know? Like yeah. these people have uh, made their own missteps and they've done whatever, so let's try to build on what they've already done. And, yeah. Uh, no. So it, it really meant a lot to be able to share the uh, the evening with him last night and with our crew and my girlfriend. And it was strange to have the man from the TV in yeah. your living room. Oh, I, I can't <laughs> wait to see that episode because, um, like I said, I I enjoy Brian. Um, I haven't talked to him in a in a while though. Um, yeah, well, he but, says, uh, you know, uh, he remembers you because I told him that I was uh, uh, going to be on your show tonight, and uh, he's like, oh yeah, I know, I know Zuby and. Uh, you know, obviously remembers you fondly. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I always find that weird because, um, you know, it's do, doing this show for three years and especially, um, you know, I've had something extremely personal happen this year. Um, oh, yeah. Before, like, I wouldn't normally get into a lot of personal stuff doing this show because I just want to talk about magic and that's it. It's there were a lot of times where when, when you mentioned like, Oh, you know, being authentic and all that stuff, yeah. it's, there'd be so many times I wouldn't want to do this show. But as soon yeah. as I turned on the mic and hit record, I suddenly, I wouldn't say happy. It's just, I got excited to do it. Yeah. Right? Um, 
but something and you know i this year i stopped you know basically with my own little rule of okay i'm not going to talk about my personal life and now i've started to talk about it because i needed to because something of what happened this year was just too much for me to handle so That's so good. so essentially just for you to know and it 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 always feels better talking about it is so my oldest daughter um we had to baker actor seven times this year because she you tried to, to what? baker act um okay uh, do you know what that is I don't. No, it's essentially we had to put her away into a mental mental hospital. I had that um, happen to me when I was 14 for yeah. 10 days. Yeah, we had to do it seven times this year because she tried wow. to commit or attempt suicide seven times. And yeah. um, it's and I have struggled with depression for a long time in my life. It's, you know, I'm yeah. uh, I think now it's called bipolar type yeah. one or two. It's I it, before they called it that it was manic de- or major manic depress- depression. Man, yeah, manic depression. Um or manic depressive disorder, they called it. I think now they call it bipolar type one or type. I don't know which one it is now. Uh, type one is when you end up in Vegas, uh, you know, after a weekend <laughs> and you spent twenty thousand dollars. You're like, what happened? Type two is uh, when you go through phases, and you know, it's like you've got this little bug in you that's trying to attach itself to anything, and you know, the pen cap will be here, but the pen is not, and that's becoming the focus of yeah. your. So frustration then, or whatever. So then or, I probably have type two. Then it's yeah. I was diagnosed with manic depressive disorder, but I not the I think they changed it now to bipolar type two yeah. or something. Um, but so I've been dealing with that all my life. But it's it's something much different when you're a parent and you see your child going through it, but t- going through it way harder than you are. You know yeah. because and it's been very scary. It's it's um you know you you don't know like how to feel as a parent. I mean, there's the the whole feelings of, okay, I'm a failure as a parent. I did something wrong, but you have to learn, okay, no, you didn't. You're doing everything you can to help your yeah, child. Yeah, it is a disorder. Yeah. It, it's something that's fundamentally wrong because you don't get to that point if you are starting at zero like the rest of us where, yeah. uh, you know, you can just, whatever. Like you're starting with something that is not regular and it's hard yeah. to admit that. And say, hey, uh, you know, it's okay that you're screwed up, dude. Like, yeah. you kind of came damaged in the box, and we're trying to fix that because we have to. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's, you know, that's just life is you don't get to choose these things, and they're not fair. Yeah. But uh, we have to do something about it. And um, I think that what's tough about darkness like that is once you've been down so low, it's really easy to fall back down as far as you were that one time or whatever maybe yeah like if you've ever had suicidal tendencies which uh of course i have um then you um are it's so easy to get back into that mode mm-hmm. after nothing and you know my incident happened when i was uh 14 and I actually turned 15 in the hospital and uh it, you know even recently like i had issues with a extremely traumatic thing that happened Mm-hmm. And I got back into that same place and I find myself like near death. And like, I think for anyone watching this show, this deep into it, um, you know, obviously you've got a great relationship with Zuby as a viewer. Uh, but I just want to say to you that if you're having these feelings and you're talking about them, keep talking about it. If you're having these feelings and you're not saying anything to anyone, you're in danger. You need to go talk to somebody. Call a hotline. It sounds cheesy. Call a fucking hotline. 
um, talk to a friend, talk to somebody who's totally separated from your social situation and uh, do something about it. You have to. Yeah, no, it's I, I completely 100% understand because, you know, I, I went through something pretty crazy in my life, you know, how long ago was it? Three, four years. It was definitely before the podcast. And I started going to see therapy. I didn't get to yeah. the point of where I wanted to commit suicide, but the thoughts were definitely there. You know, yeah. um, and like you, it just feels like it's this wall called with, with every problem in your life written on it and you mm -hmm. cannot possibly break through the wall. But if you start mm -hmm. itemizing things and saying, no, this isn't a wall, it's actually 100 bricks and I'm going to take them apart one by one. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm going to make these steps to get my money right. I'm going to do this to uh, get rid of any issues with relationships. Like, mm -hmm. if that means moving on, I'm going to move on. Or whatever, just take those bricks down one by one, do the hard thing, rip the Band-Aids, and eventually it's going to get better. Like, magic is what got everything better for me. In fact, uh, three years ago yesterday is when I was in a car accident, and I had uh, uh, it, a breakup came from that with yeah. the woman I was with who had a child and I lost my job and all these other things my entire life everything that I used to do I no longer did those things it's yeah. over like you're done you're sleeping in your mom's spare bedroom now life is over and uh, four months later I found magic and here we are today I've got a show uh, my hero was in my house with me tonight or uh, last night I'm <laughs> talking to you on a podcast and people want to hear what I have to say. What kind of world is this? You know, oh, like yeah. it's, it's complete 180, and it's all because I stuck around, you know? Yeah. You took the steps to get to where yourself are right now. And that's all you can do is like the hard part is getting yourself to zero to yeah. be able to catch up to everyone else. And it sucks that you have to do that, but you have to. Yeah. No, it's, um, we got a little deep here, but no, it's just something. Yeah, I, have to, I didn't expect this. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. And um, I hope you don't mind that we talk about this kind of stuff. Definitely. It's just, no, I wouldn't say anything that I didn't want to share. Yeah. It was just, like I said, this year was the year I stopped where I'm going to start talking about this stuff because, you know, not only, not only does it help me, but maybe it'll help someone else that listens to That's this right. too. You know, like the I mean, internet, it's, it's this unique one way relationship. Yeah. where prof had no idea like him just playing a blade of selves in game nights and saying well whatever if it gets removed fine but i would rather just play the card and have it be removed than not play it at all that's become a philosophy for me where like i would rather just do the thing and when it stops working out then i'll fix it but until then yeah. i'm gonna do the thing yeah it's essentially i i look at the way i i think of it a little bit differently it's like I'm I'm at the point in my life where I'm not afraid to fail. I'm gonna fail, yeah. right? It's yeah. this freaking podcast. I've been doing it three years. You know how many? I tr I promise you, there are people out there who need this. You know, yeah. Like this is something that's so important to them, and you just have no idea. Yeah, and I may never know, but it's also you know you know how many times where I have, and th this is where th I guess this is more self frustration more than anything because. I get a little obsessive with wanting to grow the podcast, right? I mean, yeah. I'm three years in, I'm still trying to grow this thing, right? I still feel like yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing, but there are some times where I feel like I put my heart and soul in an episode and the numbers don't reflect that, right? But yeah. I still feel like I did a really good job with it and I'm still proud of it. And then I'll do another episode where I'm like, okay, crap, 
it's a last minute episode. I've been slacking off and I need to quickly talk about something. I don't have time to interview someone. And then that episode goes through the roof in terms of numbers. I'm like, what? I'm like, it, it's frustration. You're yeah. like, I don't understand. <laughs> One thing he had said to me last night was he was like, uh, you know, a lot of people told me you need to do three, four, three or four minute videos. And I was just like, nah, you know, I like doing 10 minute videos. And then the algorithm changed and they started boosting 10 minute videos. And he didn't say this, but um, I connected the dots in my own mind that so just because uh, he was going against the grain um, and making these 10 minute videos in his backlog, when the algorithm started pushing these, I'll bet they started pushing those 10 minute videos in the backlog too. And his entire channel got elevated instead of just the new stuff. And it's like, as long as you do you, it is so easy um, this is me talking now. Uh, mm-hmm. As long as you're doing you, like as someone who's tried to advertise in this community, you know you've seen my product and mm-hmm. in the wild, it's so easy to get like a good percentage of these eyes. Um, like as you, if you just keep going and doing it, it's not like having the professor on our show is going to turn us into the next professor. It's yeah. not like. Uh, a retweet or whatever is going to change everything. It's only you. So yep. uh, it, it was a really great talk with him last night where there were just some things that I was like, oh yeah, okay, that's common sense. There were other things where he was pulling the veil back on some stuff. And uh, it, it felt inspiring because there were small things that I can change about my channel to be more effective on YouTube. And there were other things philosophically where if I don't stay true to me, then mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's just never going to work. Like, um, I I have to consider the end product in um, all these things. Like, my goal is to make people feel like they have a friend uh, and be able to turn on my show in the background and be comforted by tonight on the program we have blank. Uh, and later on, musical guest is going to join us to take us in and out of commercial break, which is really just two seconds of black. But without yeah. further ado, please welcome through the magic of television blank. <laughs> like just these mnemonic devices where uh, people can sit along and recite it with me if they enjoy it or, yeah. you know, uh, something where it's comfortable for them. That's what I aim to do is make something like that for people. Well, no. And I'm excited to see the professor episode. The one piece of advice I can give you. Okay. Is, um, now you're still pretty new at the Tonight Show here. You're still pretty new at, at yes. least producing content. <laughs> there are going to be times you're not going to want to do it. There are going to be yeah. times you're going to want to quit. There are going to be <laughs> no seriously. There's going to yeah, be times I'm you're just going to be like you're, and there are going to be times where you're not going to get the results you want. Right? I mean, yeah. I'm still going through that here. But if you, the the thing that I tell a lot of newer content creators is push through. Right. And if it's not working with what you're doing, you know, don't be afraid to look at what others are doing and not exactly copy them, but just learn from it. Maybe take that foundation of what they're doing and put your own spin on it. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, um, I mean, it, it, stuff like that is so valuable to me at this stage because it's crazy that I'm not just hearing this stuff to like, uh, as like a global thing, like, hey, uh, here's some advice to you new content creators out there, which everyone watching this show, I hope that they uh, are taking this in. It's like they're these guys uh, like you, Prof, uh, when I tweeted at Graham Stark about should I release a show and you know, I talked to Josh about a couple of things like uh, seeking advice. It's like they're talking to me directly about my program, yeah. about 
uh, the thing that I made, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're getting specific, and that that's just crazy to me that um, we're sitting here evaluating something and talking about where I'm gonna go with it, mm-hmm. and it's this crazy journey. But uh, the word of the day uh, at my house is sustainability in my relationship, my money, uh, my YouTube channel, uh, everything about it. We need to be able to do whatever we need to do when we are at our most tired, when we've, uh, we're at our most overworked, most depressed. So the rule is every other week we roll camera. I don't care if there's a backdrop, a moon, no crew, (laughs) no me, we're rolling camera on something every Friday. We're going to see what happens. And, uh, like that structure has just made it so easy to keep moving forward because the show's yeah. going to happen whether I'm there or not. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be in my kitchen, my living room, my spare bedroom, whatever it may be, um, whether I get it together or not. So I better try and make it the best program I can for people because oh, we're yeah. posting something come that next Wednesday. <laughs> no, and it's important to have those kind of, you know, um, thoughts behind it. Because like I said, you're yeah. going to get to a point where you're like not going to want to do it. And I'm pretty similar to where, you know, I don't want to do the show, but I know as soon as I hit record, I'm going to be excited to talk about whatever it may be. It may be the dumbest, you know, subject to most magic players, but to me, I'm so excited to talk about it. Right. Like, yeah, I love talking about my cube. I mean, I haven't done an episode in it forever, but I love talking about all the, you know, the archetypes I designed for it. And I can't wait to, you know, hopefully someone gets these card combos and can pull this off and, you know, yeah. and we're creating this temporal experience for, for people where, uh, we used to have, uh, like battle of the bands and stuff mm-hmm. like that. When, uh, before people had video cameras and editing software at the ready, uh, people would be creative using music. Mm-hmm. And now that same sort of thing, you're a singer-songwriter. Uh, you're a guy you know, who's um, sitting in front of the microphone and trying to come up with something and getting it out there to people who care about it. Me, I've got um, a small band where you know I write the songs and stuff, but the band plays it with me. And um, that sort of dynamic, like you know, since I played music when I was a kid and stuff, like it was... Um, it's all familiar to me to like share that creative thing with people where like you're not doing it because you uh, necessarily uh, think this is going to be the best show ever or the best song ever or whatever like you're doing it because you have to like you cannot stop creating this music this show this podcast whatever it may be um, like you are just this entity that needs to yeah. pour this waterfall somewhere yeah and like I said, I, I, I didn't even think I was going to last six months doing this and I'm going on, <laughs> here you are going on year three and I'm still wondering like, and there's a never ending sort of topics to talk about. And there's never ending sort of people to interview too, you know? Yeah. And that, that was one of the things that I knew that I wanted to set apart from my podcast when other people bring on guests, right? Because they'll have either a set of questions. And I did that at the beginning where I had a set of questions that I want to ask. And now it's evolved to a point where I just want to have a conversation, right? Yeah. Let's just talk. It it could be about magic, which yeah, we'll get some magic in there, but then hell, let's talk about editing commercials for, you know, 20 yeah. <laughs> minutes. Cause Hey, I'm interested in hearing about that. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> like that picture of the guy eating ice cream, laughing along with the, yeah. <laughs> the people on the sign. Like, and it's like what it feels like to listen to a podcast. Like, yes. 
uh, we're being people's friends right now. We're the background noise. And uh, hey, background noise people, I hope uh, we've put on a great show for you tonight. So, but, uh, so yeah, yeah, we need to wrap this up here. I can't believe it's already been almost two hours here. But um, is that right? Oh yeah, God. yeah. Um, it's getting to be eleven o'clock for me, which is not too bad. But no, wow. the you describing that just now reminds me of my favorite magic podcast of all time. And I just want to, I have to give a shout out to them. Now they are not for everybody's ears. They're not the most friendly podcast <laughs> out there. They're, they're pretty, okay. they're pretty dirty, but I love these guys cause they are some of the nicest guys out there. But, uh, let's just say they drop the F bomb like every five <laughs> seconds and they talk about some really messed up stuff, but it's not like they're terrible people. Right. Um, it, yeah, it's just the environment. The Yeah. So they're called If Lands Could Kill. Um, unfortunately, they don't release regular episodes like they used to because they've lost two of the cast members because it used to be a group mm. of four guys and probably some of the funniest stuff out there that um I love if those If Lands guys. Could Kill. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I will said, check it out. They're, they're, they're not for everybody, all right? I will say that, but damn it, I fucking love those guys. <laughs> they are some of the Bless nicest you. guys out there. Um, so definitely check them out. If Lance could kill, it is added to my repertoire. Yes. Um, like I said, I don't think they've released an episode in a few months, actually, but still worth it, though. But, um, yeah, man, I just want to thank you for coming on. Um, it's been Absolutely. It's been a freaking blast. I can't believe two hours went by like that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm beside myself to even be invited on a podcast to be interviewed. Yeah, so man. it's a big honor. Oh no! Uh, thank you for that. No, honor is mine, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm Zuby here. I'm, you know... <laughs> No, but um, no, thanks for coming on. And um, where can people find you? Uh, go ahead and plug anything you want to plug. So by the time this Absolutely. comes out, Professor will already be out by now. So Yeah, um, so the YouTube channel is MTG Tonight. And I have a Twitter that's just for the show, MTG Tonight. Uh, and then my personal Twitter, where I have the most fun, is JakeBossMTG. Uh, and then uh, apart from that, uh, there's Patreon, patreon.com. Slash MTG tonight. Like, luckily, nobody stole these handles. So I know, right? I've got them all. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's all pretty consolidated on uh, Twitter and YouTube. Sweet, man. I didn't know that MTG tonight had its own Twitter. I just followed it. I didn't realize it did. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's uh, mainly for show related stuff. Um, yeah. Like I said, the most fun that I have is on Jake Boss MTG, where. You know, sometimes I'll Photoshop cosplayers into magic art or, uh, you know, I'll take pictures of our equipment room and, you know, reminisce with people about old tape machines and stuff like that, which is yeah. fun. Um, but yeah, if anyone has any questions about editing and stuff like that, like I love talking about that kind of stuff. Like Heck, if you have you some up. kind of a problem or whatever, or if you want to make gameplay footage and you're saying, oh, I can't because I don't have a GoPro or whatever, let's talk about <laughs> duct taping your phone to the ceiling fan because you absolutely can make whatever content you want and we're going to find a way for you to do it. I may hit you up for, because I want to start doing, I had a really fun time doing doing the vlog I did for GP Atlanta and I, I know it was terrible. It's just, I was just really experimenting to see what I could do. Yeah. And um, I may- Anyone can do this stuff. Yeah. I may I've been doing hit this you up for, for 12 years. One. And I promise you, anyone can do this. It's just, yeah. uh, you learn, uh, like, it's all about, uh, I bet you won't do that again experiences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, because um, I'm going to start doing vlogs whenever I go to GPs now. I'm, I've got three GPs in mind for next year that I'm going to go to. Um, Tampa, because I'm right next to Tampa. And then Seattle. I'm saving up money to fly out nice. to Seattle. Um, uh, so when is that one? That's June 20th. 
of next year, 2019? Yeah, yeah, next year. All right, well, let's see about that because I might be in town. Okay, awesome. And then the last one is I was thinking about Vegas, but I'm not a big fan of Vegas. <laughs> I mean, GP Vegas is the most fun I've ever had with Magic. I know, and, and it's you know, such I was I was one. working as a marketer and uh it was still insanely fun. So just meeting these people in person is hugely Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that one's a maybe if I don't go to that one, that'll be GP Atlanta again. Well, basically you and I are going to be in the same room within the year for sure. Oh yeah. So that'll be awesome. And, uh, uh, let's talk about editing and stuff on Twitter out in public so that, uh, people can, uh, possibly benefit from these sort of duct tape solution. Oh yeah. Uh, discussions. Oh, I have no problem like duct taping stuff. It's some of the editing oh, yeah. techniques. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm oh, doing. It's the same philosophy yeah. when you're in the software, same stuff. <laughs> iMovie can do anything. Windows movie maker, you know, whatever. Like we were editing movies in 1993 digitally. How are we doing it? Uh, in a scrappy way. That's Oh how. yeah. Oh yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been a blast and, um, thank Absolutely. you for coming on. Thank you.